alienated Anon, Jets Swoons. That's not a name. That's a haiku. Dang drool, Colonel. Alienated Goss, Stones Noons. That sounds like, Derek, that sounded like the catchphrase of a cartoon <laughs> dog. <laughs> Here we go. Lord Colonel Conehead. <laughs> oh, print the business cards. <sighs> Alright, we should uh we should stop reading our anagrams. <laughs> yes. I don't know, I think this is an exciting new format for the podcast. You, oh, how about this? You can keep your anagram window open and if the conversation oh, be- when the conversation becomes dull, you can uh you can pull one out. Yes. All right. So let's uh let's let's get started then. This is Cinema Excelsior. Uh we are here today to talk about uh talk about a movie, but our uh our assembled cast of characters here, we've got Dean Sensational Jowl on the digital left. Don't even know it's his own name. <laughs> uh we got Kong Elder. Olay, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh, do you prefer Brickstone or Brockstein? I prefer Caballero Synchronized Sloth. <laughs> oh, more of a Latin flavor. <laughs> uh, next time we got Prick Tanager. Hey, friends, it's your friend Prick Tanager here. I've arbitrarily decided that Prick Tanager is a heel wrestler. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Lance Splayfoot, Corporal Lance Splayfoot, and we are uh, we're here today to talk about Logan. Um, All right. So let's 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 talk about that movie. Wait, uh, did you introduce me and I missed it? Was I reading my own list of names? Yep. yep. <laughs> Dean Sensation Jowl. <laughs> Antenatal Jouse Noses Join. Wow. That's very impressive. <laughs> I've got a lot of letters to work with. There's a lot of antenatal possibilities. Neoclassical brothels hoardy. Does anti no, does antenatal mean pre-birth, post post-birth? post-birth. I think it means the opposite of birth. Yeah. It means un it means unbirth. Let's let's well, unbirth? Is it anti with an I or with an E? With an E. Oh, it's gonna take us down second. Yeah, we want to go. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So we're talking about Logan if we can pull ourselves out of the anagram generator that we've fallen into. <laughs> Mm, uh, I don't know. Banali rhinoceros's clothes. I've just realized <laughs> that the word Jawas is hidden in my name, so I have to include that one in the search. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's great about this one, listeners, is that we usually get like this when we don't want to talk about a movie because it's bad, but like this is actually a good movie. Yeah. So, uh, Logan... I don't know what you're talking about. I, my name is Sacrosanct Borneo Hellishly. <laughs> Logan, 2017. <laughs> 2017 film, uh, the third in the Wolverine trilogy, the tenth in the X Men series. Um, one, two, three. Last, uh, first class. Um, future past. Future past. Wolverine. Wolverine. This one. I think it's the ninth. We are, no. We already watched Apocalypse. Oh, Deadpool. We already watched Apocalypse. Oh yeah. If yeah, and if Deadpool is part of part of it, which it kind of is, uh, this might be eleventh then. Close enough. Anyway, yeah. Yep. Um, we're closing in on the X Men. On the end uh, of the X Men, there's one more of them. Yeah, there's well, two more of them actually. But we oh, really yeah, want to. I don't want to think. 
I that's but the, the second one, one is one we're really not going to look forward to. Yeah, there, there's there's one more that has been and will be released. Um, what New Mutants? Yeah, that will not make. Yes. It. Oh. Um, if, it's, if they actually manage to make it into a horror film, I I'm excited for it. I, I heard rumors terrible. that it, current rumors that it's going to be recut, reshot slightly, and turned into part of the MCU. Huh. Interesting. All right, but that's that's neither here nor there. We're we're here to talk about an ending. Yeah, Scooch, you're, you're tapping your scooch. Scooch, are you all right, oh, man? <laughs> He's very excited about something. Has he discovered an incredible Jawas uh, anagram? Jawas add senile sonnet onto. <laughs> onto what? Jawas add onto senile sonnet. That's better. Yeah. Uh, Carnally oh, bison's clothes horse. Jawas add lenient stone soon. Anyone listening to this is going to think they have a feature. <laughs> yeah. right. No, we are not having a seizure, seizure listeners. All right, Logan. 2017. Directed James Mangold. Starring Hugh Jacked Man. Uh, also starring Patrick Stewball. No, that's it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and then some other really? folks. Richard E. Grant. Yep. Word uh, Signal is in my Scarlet name. Pippen. That's relevant. Stephen Merchant. Stephen yes. Merchant. Because if there's three immutable pillars of the X-Men franchise, it's Wolverine, uh, Professor X, and Caliban. Yes. <laughs> Caliban, an established character that we saw in the last X-Men film we watched in a completely different performance. My, my understanding on that one is actually that they... They were making this movie at the same time, and they just didn't really realize that they were both using Caliban until it was like, like already in the editing also, phase. It's, because it's, uh, wait, it's uh, an Armageddon realized, Deep he Impact must have realized situation. He was playing the same character. Like, there's two different two different actors. Two different actors. Yeah. Is Steven... Steven Merchant in the other one? No. 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 no Steven Merchant's like a foot taller than the other guy, isn't he? Yeah. The other guy. Steven, Steven Merchant is a giant. No. No. Let's pull this up. Let's. Let's uh, consult Cerebro here. Um, uh, who is? Oh, you're right. It's it's a guy who also has like a blonde look. It's Tomas Lemarquis. It's a guy who looks like he should be playing Lex Luthor in a Norwegian adaptation of Superman. <laughs> He's um, Icelandic, apparently. Oh. All right, I'm going to admit that I, when we watched that, I assumed that that was Stephen Merchant because I knew Stephen Merchant played uh, Caliban. <laughs> no, not. no, he's he's a nor- you see the the other Caliban is a normal sized man, where Stephen Merchant is a giant. He's a very large. He's extremely. I really large. thought that that was uh, Stephen Merchant. Weird. Well, not. Right, anyway, did you know Even an by... anagram of Caliban is Cabnail? <laughs> God damn it, Balecam. <laughs> Uh, and also, also starring. Mistake, Derek. Yeah, also I'm going to uh, text Hillary and ask her to put in like a parental lock on anagrams on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> you will fry my anagrams for my cold dead shand. <laughs> it was fun to well, watch. You should be. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that spoon? That was all I could do anagram? without using the anagram generator. It was fun to watch the gears turn in your head there, guys. Yeah. Jeremy's iron. <laughs> All right. So this movie was uh, is was and is a big deal. It's one of the highest yeah. grossing R-rated films of all time. I think it was uh, either number one or two when it came out. And it had the widest like at, at the time. It had the widest release, uh, yeah. or most number of theaters for an R-rated film. High, high grossing, yeah. 
Um, yeah. Critically acclaimed, uh, Academy Award nominated for one of the Oscars that ostensibly matters in the Oscar hierarchy, Best Adapted Screenplay. And I think although the fourth I, I, film... Although I do think it's still bullshit that, that Jackman and Stewart were not nominated for this movie because this really is the performance of their careers. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart, yeah. especially. I, I, I agree, yes, but I also would have been very surprised if they had been nominated. No, no, I, I have zero faith in the Academy to actually recognize such things. It's mm-hmm. just more my, my eternal rage about the fact that Patrick Stewart has, like, no awards. Yeah, he's never yeah, been no. nominated for an Oscar, has he? <laughs> Yeah. He's never nominated for an Oscar. Uh, an he Emmy he was awarded by the Queen of England. Yeah. Right. That's a he also has an award. award. I think we did we talk about this last time? I remember talking about this. He has an Olivier Award. I know that. Oh, that's yeah. He, he also has an award called Being Patrick Stewart, which is yeah. a pretty good award. Yeah. yeah. And being friends with Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah. It's also yeah. Two for two. So, yeah. Logan, uh, this film is. I, th- I think we were going to have. It was awarded of- to Lacutus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he was he was okay. named speaker of the Borg. Um, <laughs> so uh, this film, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of the film itself, uh, in terms of some of the performances, and also um, I imagine we'll have to talk a bit more about the uh, in shambles continuity of all the X Men films. Yeah. Um, I before not, I before we move on, your phrase "speaker of the Borg" makes makes me now imagine a uh, carrot top movie called uh, "Chairman of the Borg." <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Starring Larry Miller. Um why do God damn it. I, I hate so much about what living in this period of time has done to my brain. And my like there was a time when people memorized Shakespearean sonnets off the back of their hand, because that was, like, what they had. But no, I can pull cast notes from fucking chairman of the board and feel good about that. From <laughs> <or> nothing. <laughs> what have I done sure. in my life? Okay. Um, Did you say chairman of the board or chairman of the Borg? Chairman of the Borg, starring Alice Crutch. Um, okay. Say Alice Crutchek? <laughs> no, the Alice- character from the X-Files? No, Alice Crutch, no. the Borg queen. Well, one of the Borg queens. Oh, yes. I'm yeah, the board sure queen was more of a queen, right? Yeah, um, she was in queen. Okay. All right. Did you say she was in queen? <laughs> she replaced Freddie Mercury? <laughs> we are we are weirdly punchy for a movie I think we would probably all like. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, I know. That's Sir what Patrick saying. Stewart is karate script wrist. <laughs> wrist script karate. Wow. That is awesome. Like, Are, normally I associate this level of punchiness with, like, Electra yeah. or yeah. Fantastic Four 2. We're all yeah, just this, is, tired. this is what we were like for, uh, yeah, the, the last Fantastic Four movie. All right, so let's, let's do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's try to focus in. Okay, so plot summary time. Uh, we open, the year is 2029. Yes, we open on uh, a man in late middle age uh, who is so in love with his car that he will defend it to the death or kill for it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we, yeah, we open with old Logan lying in his, I believe it's a, a, a 24 Chrysler, if uh, yeah, I think yeah. is the stretch. Yes, yeah, yeah, 24 yeah. stretch Chrysler. Um, the wheels of which are being torn off, uh, by some, by some gang members who shoot him. And then, uh, there's a, a very violent fight where he kills him. But his car gets yeah. dinged up, but and he's very first, upset about he it. he tries to give them fatherly advice about what they're yeah. doing wrong yeah. and why what they're doing is stupid mm-hmm. and yes. not worth their own time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, she's I being wrong. Not in the normal, I'm going to kill you, bub, kind of way. Yeah, but in the, yeah. this is a stupid crime. You should abandon it because it was foolish. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is actually, like, one... <laughs> This movie establishes like what this is what Logan this what Logan has become so quickly because normally when Logan gets into a fight, he usually is about two seconds away from a scream and then just a murder yeah. fest. He spends the first part of this fight getting the shit kicked out of him, yeah. and then he finally just like loses his temper. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know, that just says a lot about like it, it sort of like immediately grinds you into like th- th- this is a world where the superheroes are gone. Yeah, it's just and he's tired. <laughs> and you're you're thrown right into it. You're not given uh you're not given a prologue, you're not given uh background as to to how things got this way. Um you're yeah. you're not even you're not really given much context that any of what we have seen in the previous films has actually happened. You're you're oh. in the moment. Well, Beyond and the-, the film communicates to you very quickly that uh this will be an R-rated Film yes. ostensibly for adults. Uh, you know, there are severed limbs and impaled foreheads and uh, all all manner of uh, of violent goings on in uh, in a in a gritty realist style. Yes. Um, I would like to point out the first thought I had when the movie when he, when the movie gets going, as he's we see that Logan has become a limo driver. Mm-hmm. I, this is, I mean, I saw this in the theater, which is an interesting, yeah, an interesting, but funny story to me, since Hillary and I were the only ones in the theater on opening night after they opened a second screen of it just for us, uh, <laughs> because the first one had sold out, and I know the guy who was working the, uh, the projection booth, but I, so I, I, when we started watching it this time, I realized that he's limo, he's a limo driver, and it feels like a metaphor for how Hugh Jackman has been carrying the x-men franchise <laughs> he's been driving the, the, the money-making people in the back uh, yeah. and the first two uh people he's driving for are a rich like oil tycoon guy yep. and some four like frat bro types who are just, yep. just chanting usa usa mm-hmm. while we get that's kind of like he drives around an old oil tycoon and some drunk frat types screaming usa while the political commentary that might have been the message of a better X-Men franchise has been reduced to the background noise of a conspiracy theorist radio show, which felt like uh, a, a metaphor for what the X-Men franchise has been before this film, which is the first one that feels truly substantive. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think we're done. I think we can go home now, guys. <laughs> I, I think that it hits, it, it's hit home runs. Right out of the right out of the game. Yeah, here. and the yeah. script is not wasting time. And it's it's. Uh, I, I won't describe this as an overly subtle film. I think there are points where it, it swings yeah. a hammer pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. Um, but it yeah, it is not subtle, but it is also not graceless in the way yeah. that it that it executes. Yeah, I mean, yes. I think I think it's you know the the unsubtlety is like even on display in the very first scene where he's being robbed by like an early 90s conception of latino yes. gangsters yes <laughs> yes but the, the film then pivots into a story where he it, the ostensible narrative through line is helping uh helping a young latino girl escape to freedom from the u.s to canada um yeah where they go to north dakota that looks nothing like north dakota yes well, it's, have it's you a, ever been to North Dakota? I have I not, haven't. but I know that that is not North Dakota. 
I have not. So I literally have. If you, if they had told me that was North Dakota, I'd be like, yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah. That was the only new, one here who that has New been to North Dakota is Derek. Uh, well, Stefan might have. Never but been I bet that neither of them can actually verify that North Dakota exists. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Everything you know about North Dakota is actually in South Dakota. Well, I mean, narratively, like this, I mean, one of the ways in which it is, um, you know, subtle isn't exactly the right word, but narratively, it doesn't, it doesn't coddle you. No. Like, mm. like no. many of the films that we've watched in that, um, you know, at, at, at we slowly kind of discover the, the sort of status of things since um, uh, Logan and Professor X and Caliban are hanging out in this like abandoned factory. Uh, in Mexico, and but why they're there, you really kind of have to piece together. Yeah, you're you're never implied, explicitly told, right? You're never no. explicitly told. It's like implied that a year later something something went down, um, yeah. and you know, as a result, um, you know, like some mutants died, and basically these three are the are the last ones standing. And I sort of and I don't I don't think we learn. We, we pick up kind of midway through the film um that no mutants have been born in 25 years mm-hmm. um yeah. which which then becomes George, well the, no he uh he wolverine states that when he's in the when he meets up with professor x right uh-huh. then because he and we lo- professor x is and we, yeah and we learn why later but like yeah. i i would I, one thing that Sorry i would enough. almost argue yeah i mean well richie grant just flat out says yeah. i did it uh, yeah, but like but it's like, like I like genetically engineered food, so there aren't mutants anymore, which doesn't exactly make sense. But well, I mean, if I they put like, additives in the food to suppress yeah, that, the mutant gene, yeah, that was the push. I mean, like it can it, it totally makes sense if you consider also remember that like Wolverine is running around with giant unbreakable metal claws, and that like the science oh, yeah. of these of these of, of this universe has never why, been strong. Why would yeah. they cover the girl's bones in metal before she's fully grown? That drives me nuts. That's a good point. How, <laughs> yeah, won't she be stunted at that size? I mean, they, they don't seem to particularly care about that. There might be value in having like a little girl assassin. Like she's yeah. going to be assuming that might. But like in terms of like just like completely scientifically like bullshit sort of things, we also have uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Professor X's like explanation as to why she has claws in her feet because yeah. lions have back claws. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking well, that's about? Very it easy to see coming. Time. That's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, so, again, but like again, I, sorry, Stefan, go 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 go. I was gonna say, like, I feel like that, like that, sort of the overarching theme, a uh, thing that a through line of this movie is that this is just a world that has moved on. Yeah, like mm, just yeah. in general, like Start there's that whole style. thing where, like, it really has, like, it's sort of like, okay, we had this brief burst of X Men, and okay, it's gone, and we've moved on. Like the the whole like. Even the the ex, even the bad guys themselves, like they're they're mostly just interested in trying to create soldiers, and they're trying to run these kids down, not because like these would like they've threatened their plan to take over the world, but because like this is embarrassing to the U.S. government and the company that made them, and they'd rather and this is an attempt to clean up. But even, like, even then, if if you're talking about this idea of the world that has moved on, um, we we see. You know pieces of the outside world as the film goes along, and it, it is not a post-apocalyptic hellscape. It's, yeah, it's, it's moved on for them. Yeah, this is something like this was my first time watching it, and I definitely had the impression that it was going to be more like post, 
maybe not apocalyptic, but like dystopian than it yeah. was. And like clearly there are like, you know, the auto truck sort of sort of sequence. Like clearly there is like some like vaguely dystopian things going on. Mm-hmm. But it also seems like probably for, you know, the non-mutant population of the US, I'm not sure that things are dramatically worse than they are now. Like yeah. things don't seem to be great. For, yeah, but for, like for whatever for whatever that is, uh for whatever your your views on now are, it's not crazy different. No. Right. Um, I would just like to point out that if you track in time, so this movie takes place in 2029. Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. But no new mutants have been born in 25 years. That's 2004, which is mm-hmm. between X2 and X3, I believe. So <laughs> uh, it, it almost feels like he's saying that these movies have not been good since X2. No good film <laughs> in this series has been made. And he did the previous movie in this series. Uh, did he? He, yeah, yeah, he, he did, he the, did the Wolverine. Sorry, not the, oh, oh, the yeah. Wolverine, not, not yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. Which I think we came away mixed on. Um, it's better than Origins, but it's it's yeah. it's kind of like Batman Forever, where it's it's going in a new direction for the, the series, but it's not at not the, the great thing it, gets, it would become. It's not yet. fully developed good. It's just yeah. kind of a middle ground. Yeah. Film. yeah, I think I think you know it's been a long time since we watched. Um, the Wolverine, but yeah, I, bl- I remember that being, you know, not a bad movie, but also not a great movie. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would probably, it might crack like my top like three or four X Men movies, but I think that says more about the quality of the X Men movies than the quality of the Wolverine. Yes, that's fair. So we we've got um j- just a reground in in plot a little bit. So, uh, Logan limo driver Logan is approached first by uh, a woman named Gabriela Lopez, who is trying to get him to take on a job for her that she promises fifty thousand dollars for, and then by uh, she's lying. Although due to although due to rampant inflation, that's actually only about yeah, five it's bucks. not a lot of money. <laughs> um, and then uh, by Donald Pierce, who is uh, a cyborg man uh, who is played by like a discount Charlie Hunnam type. Um, I feel I like, like he's crossed between Jeremy Renner and an extra from True Detective. I, I, yeah. I will say this though: I, I believe that I believe that. you've just described discount uh, Charlie Hunnam there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I could have described I, I really, Charlie Hunnam there. I know that you guys are calling the discount Charlie Hunnam, but I kind of love the actor who's playing really Pierce. Like I think who plays like, Charlie Hunnam? Well, Boyd he, he has this really great yeah. Boyd Holbrook. Okay, he's got this sort of great. I, he's very Texan, like, and I, I, I like. I know yeah. Nick has lived in Texas as well. Like, live, Liz lives in Texas. Like, there is like, there's a very specific kind of Texas asshole that he's very much embodying, and I kind of really loved that. I, I enjoyed it. He's playing a guy. He's playing a Texas bro who watched Tombstone too many times and thought that Val Kilmer gave a really great performance. Mm. Um, I maintain that Val Kilmer did, but that's a fight for another day. No, no, I, I love, I love Tombstone. I watched Tombstone again not a month ago. It's great. Yeah. Um, but this is not Tombstone. This is Wolverine. This is where there mm. are Tombstone. Um, so, uh, yes, he's approached uh, by these two people, uh, ostensibly about a job, and then not Bobby doing a job. Bobby Oldbrook. Bobby Oldbrook. Uh, he makes his way back to uh, the compound in Mexico where he, Xavier, and Caliban are staying. Um, I'd say that like it's an Airbnb where they are hiding <laughs> out. Um, it's we, a smelting company, apparently. Yeah, we get a we couple. Should, we should of, mention that um, uh, Xavier yeah. has like a kind of 
dementia, I suppose. A sort we of get early, some like... very upsetting scenes of yeah. Yeah. Xavier. Yeah. Yeah, see, see, autoimmune disease. See Patrick Stewart' Oscar-winning performance. It, it really should have been. It's he's so disturbing when he first appears. Yeah, it's like when he's like yeah. rambling about Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. It's very creepy yeah. and un- it, yeah. It's, and this yeah. is a major kind of like run through the line board. in the film is is caring for Xavier, right? And yeah. you know, reminding him to take his pills and his resistance to that. And um, it's a really kind of rich character. And it's yeah. it's difficult just in, I mean, it, we've seen the Xavier character in, I think, all of the X-Men films so far, um, in uh, bits yes, or pieces. Actually, um, even except if it's for just Deadpool, like a he's in every movie. Um, except for Deadpool, he's in every movie. And in each appearance, uh, e- even when he's like strung out hippie James McAvoy in Days of Future Past, uh, he has a, a certain level of dignity about him and a certain level of composure and, and gravitas. And it's heartbreaking to see all of that just stripped away. And from Patrick Stewart's perspective, like it's a it's a I think the decision as an actor who has built his career on that kind of composure and that kind of mm. gravitas to give all of that up in the performance was I thought really, really brave and also very upsetting to watch because like, it's, this is not the kind of thing that I expect to see from Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's like something metatextual here. The fact that like Patrick Stewart is professor X, but like for most people, Patrick Stewart is, you know, Jean-Luc Patrick Picard. Stewart. He is Jean-Luc Picard. Like he is so amazing. That he can literally get us all to sign up for CBS All Access. What a feast. Like, that's just how... <laughs> yeah, Not like... All uh, of us. Uh, <laughs> but, like... But, like... He, he, there's something metatextual. Like, watching Patrick Stewart... Not just watching Professor X, but watching Patrick Stewart be this involved. It is... It's not dislike, unlike watching your grandfather. Yeah. Like, falling to pieces. Like, there is something yeah. really unpleasant. You know, like, yeah. it's just like... Yo, you're Patrick Stewart. No, you're Patrick Stewart. No. They're no. remaking Charlie's Angels and Patrick Stewart plays Bosley? He plays a Bosley. <laughs> There's going to be multiple yeah. Bosleys. God. And I mean, part of, part of the, the way that I think that works is like, I mean, you, you hear Xavier curse, like, yeah. you know. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, throughout the entire film and like, you know, on, on a, a sort of on a first sort of instinct, you would think that, oh, they're, you know, this is just sort of exploiting the R rating. But, like, it works for the character in this situation. Like, yeah. it's a way of mm-hmm. uh, of expressing the, you know, how this is a changed man. You know? Yeah. With this, with, this, is, this is not your James McAvoy version of, of the character. Yeah, mm-hmm. Logan swearing to, like, barely even registers as, like, right. if I went back and watched <laughs> The Wolverine, I would expect him to be swearing like a sailor just because it's always been weird that he doesn't swear. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. also, like, it's not it's not as effective as Patrick Stewart's performance, but I do think that Hugh Jackman, like, seeing sort of, like, haggard, dying uh, Logan is it's also, like, very effective so, after, you know, or, eight or, movies or nine movies of him being, you know, indestructible and unstoppable. We are, we are at the point now where we as a society have accepted the fact that Hugh Jackman is an exceptionally good actor. Right, like we're beyond the yes. point of of joking about that. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, I think good. so. Good because my my contention it ha- continues to be that he always has been, 
And mm. back when he was starring like Kate and Leopold and shit like that, and Swordfish, yeah. he was still. I mean, I mean, he has a very he he oddly has a very similar trajectory to James Cagney in that he's a song and dance yeah. man that got <laughs> that got roped into like his dream is to do Greatest Showman type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he got he like it, a fluke of nature. What's his name from Mission Impossible Two? Uh, wasn't able to play uh, Wolverine, and I don't know what that man's name is. Duggery Scott. Yeah. Who? Uh, Duggery Scott. Duggery Scott. Uh, who, who an, another like, poll that I have. Yeah. I regret who my was, life. Who is like a, a tertiary villain in uh, Mission Impossible 2 was like supposed to be Wolverine and Mission Impossible 2 went over schedule so they had to recast it. And there's some alternate version where Duggery Scott became Wolverine and probably Hugh Jackman would have, you know, at least in terms of like accolades and respect, maybe a more successful career. Like now. three or four Tonys. Yeah. It's like the alternate uh, reality where Stuart Townsend was not uh, did not leave the Lord of the Rings, uh, opening the door for Migo, Migo Mortensen. Yeah, I, man, I don't know I, if they got fired or if they. What? I got fired. Weirdly yeah. enough, two yeah. days two days ago, for whatever reason, I was on Stuart Townsend's Wikipedia page. Um, yeah, so I first thought we were talking about Pete Townsend. It was reboot. very confusing. I thought you were going to talk about Stuart Copeland. In that time when Stuart Copeland didn't join the Who. Um, Fantasy Island? Yeah, he, he, uh, he Cole plays Chuck, The Night Stalker. The original is fantastic. Oh, but yeah, with uh, Darren McGavin. God awful. Yeah, there, if you haven't watched the reboot, the you should. It's would be one of your favorite movies. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, there should what literally be nothing that surprises any of you about the fact that I love Cole Chuck. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah. should... That's essentially what that pilot script uh, you sent us all was. <laughs> You're very no. bouncy. <laughs> it's... It, it's... Yeah, I, I only love the how bouncy it got when we talked about Kolchak. <laughs> yeah, nothing brings out. It's only Kolchak. It's only Kolchaki in the way that Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, The X Files, and pretty much every Monster of the Week style show that has yeah. ever been made is like Kolchak. I mean, yes, absolutely. It is very like it <laughs> might be the original Monster of the Week show. So I think it is actually. Anyway, Dark Shadows, Logan and I, Company, Logan oh, and Company. Yeah, Logan we and Company. Real uh, end up. Uh, becoming guardians to uh this girl laura after gabriella ends up dead and yada 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 she's laura, murdered. she yeah. doesn't just end up dead she's she's murdered she, yeah she's extremely oh. dead she's extremely murdered uh laura is a clone of wolverine she is uh is like a 10 yeah. year old girl um uh who, i don't i mean she she's is more of a daughter every, yeah like she is like she is like they use her her, her his dna and like artificially inseminate uh mexican fair. women uh, with her so i think she's like half i think she's half she yeah she's a daughter she's a yeah. weird clone daughter yeah and, and the only reason like i we're we're, we're being specific about it is that because later we're going there to meet a, a real clone yeah. there's a specific yeah. clone yes there's, do you mean he's and, a real clone and also, we are hit over the head repeatedly with this father-daughter theme throughout. Uh, yes, so, yes. yes. Uh, L- Laura, played by uh, Daphne Keene, who gives a great performance. She's really oh, yeah. freaking great. Just to be like clear, is there anyone in this movie that is not giving a really good performance? Uh, there's no one probably. who is giving a bad performance. It's like, solid. yeah, yeah. No. E- even yeah. even people yeah. that I don't like. The people who did not stand out to me were yeah, not there's, bad. They were just doing there's their a convenience I mean, I think, store clerk that I thought was played by Ziggy from The Wire, but it turned out it was a different guy named Dave Davis. I thought it was Dax Shepard for a second. I thought it was John <laughs> Hawks, but that was from Dusk so, Till Dawn. Yeah, there's probably like some like very like ancillary, like some of the kids maybe near the end aren't, you know, the greatest yeah. children, child Actually, actors in the like world. I felt like they did a pretty good job. 
Yeah, no, but again, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying like, oh, that kid absolutely was terrible. I'm just saying like, if if I had to pick the worst act actor in this movie, I'm probably picking somebody who gave like ninety percent. Yeah. One of the yeah, horses, like, <laughs> like so, Richard. Uh, like Richard Grant is definitely turning in a very sort of like bog standard Richard Grant performance. Yeah. Like there's nothing special yeah. there. Yeah. But so I, I have a question here. Do, do do you guys think they cast Daphne Keene for her in part at least? For her resemblance to uh, Famke Janssen, hmm. because there's this there's a moment in the in the film where uh, Xavier's like, does she remind you of everybody of anybody? And like clearly, it's meant to you know be. I thought uh, it was meant to be a reference no, to himself, a reference He's to himself. About, but like yeah. there, I don't know. There's a there's a kind. Oh, of, there's I, a, I remember the trivia section of IMDb. It said that when she went in to audition, she asked if she could ad lib with Hugh Jackman. So she that she started screaming at him in uncontrolled Spanish, uh, and they ended up writing that into the film because of that. Uh, yeah. So I would imagine that that's probably the main reason she. It sounds like she hit the audition out of the. Well, I mean, it's uh, yeah, no, but I weirdly I she'll be playing she'll be playing James McAvoy's daughter soon. Oh, in another X. Oh yeah, because in no in um, Golden Compass, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Guys. Yeah, she's gonna be she's gonna be Lyra in uh, yeah, the his right. Dark Materials thing, which I'm looking yeah, for. Mark Peters, but so you and Lin Manuel Miranda. So you've got should be better than the movie. <laughs> yeah, good. Low bar. Oh god! If the movie had been literally ten minutes longer, it would have been infinitely better. I, I would actually argue it also needed to be uh, about five times brighter because I have no idea what happened in the final, in the big fight sequence at the end of that movie. You're talking about and Golden I read Compass, not Logan. Right, right, right. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Logan, 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 Logan. All right. Back to yeah. Logan. Well, so. Golden Compass, the novel, ends at a natural ending. Uh, Golden Compass, the movie, ends at the, like, ten minutes before the climax of the novel. I've never seen Golden Compass. I've never read the novel. I know nothing about it, except that presumably the there, is a, amazing. there is a compass the in it. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to get us back on track with three simple words. Obstinacy, obstinacy, rancors, hellholes. That's good. <laughs> thank, thank you, Bester. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of yes. Laura, um, so, uh, yes, Daphne Keene, uh, very intense child actor. Like, She's got oh, the yeah. she's got the death stare down solid. Um yeah. And okay, so it becomes a road movie at this point. Uh Caliban is captured uh because his mutant ability is uh tracking other mutants. Yeah. Uh and Pierce and his cronies are using Caliban to try to track Laura who is on the run with Xavier and Logan to the mythical land of North Dakota where I believe they're going to cross the border into Canada. The mythical um, land of a filming location in New Mexico. Yeah, ad- Canada adjacent New Mexico. Um, I think this is around the time that uh, Patrick Stewart, or the Charles character, transitions for the second time. Because I think that he starts as like doddering invalid, yep. where he's talking crazy, you think, and it turns out he's much more sane than anyone believes. And then he transitions into like wise elder, where now. He is everything he's saying is totally coherent. Yep. He's more on point than anyone else. Oh, yeah. But then it, around now is when he transitions to extremely grumpy old man. Yes, which yes. I really enjoy. He's trying. I, I love uh, when they get to uh, glamorous Oklahoma City, and uh, he is insisting that they change clothes in the elevator, and he's trying to get a hat onto Logan's head. 
He just wants Logan to have some fun. To yeah. lighten I, just, up a little. I love that moment of like they get into it and he has the bag in front of him and he like pulls out the tissue paper and yes. puts the hat on his head. He's yes. so happy. So they go upstairs and watch Shane. Yeah. yeah. It, it was Shane. Okay. Yes. Uh, it was Shane. Apparently, yeah. Patrick Stewart, this is according to user edited IMDb trivia page, uh, Patrick <laughs> Stewart ad libbed the. Uh, what he said about it being the first movie that he saw in theaters, because that's actually true. It mm. was the oh, first yeah. movie he remembered seeing in the theater as a child. That's not, that's not surprising. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Although he made a that mistake. Right he, said, he, he said this movie's also almost 100 years old. When, yeah, it's more like 85. Like 70 years yeah. old. When, like, when, what year Shane was Shane is made? from 1953. What's that so, late? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I started that as well. Senile. So he yeah. doesn't know he's a non-agenarian, which is also, a great line. Also, he's yeah. talking to like an eight-year-old girl. I, I wouldn't be like, you know, sometimes you just exaggerate and say over a hundred years old. Ooh. That's a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> you know how children are. They're all yes. dumb. Um, yeah. Those dumb kids. Small, yeah. small. Sorry, I meant small. We should also mention children that at small. this point we start yeah. to discover that like the degenerative brain disease that Charles Xavier has, like I, I think Boyd has a line where he, no, the actor's name is Boyd, where um, where he's Pierce. basically points out a degenerative brain disease in the world's most powerful brain. Yep. That is not a great combination, and yeah. I just love that idea so much because it really does sort of like Charles Xavier really is a ticking time bomb in the Marvel universe in a way no one really wants to deal with. Like not yeah. because they think he's going to turn evil, because any of them could turn evil. It's a Marvel yeah. universe, like. You know, Red Skull could just randomly spray you with evil dust or whatever. He doesn't yeah, have to like, be bad, even if he's just got to go wrong. I mean, he did go evil a couple times. He was onslaught. There, it, like it, is, right, the, it is debatable like, whether like, or not he is evil now in Marvel Comics. Is it? I've, I haven't read Marvel Comics in a while. But yeah, he's, there's also... It's, a, it's weird. When you there's said another weird. onslaught, for an actual second, I thought that there was a drug in the X-Men world called Slot, and it made people <laughs> evil. <laughs> oh no, he's on Slot. <laughs> that's fantastic but there's also a line I think from also from Pierce that just says that he uh, his brain is a weapon of mass destruction yeah. Uh, yeah and like you can like they never explicitly tell us what happened in Westchester but like seeing what almost happens in uh, yeah. uh, the, the strong in implication Simi, we can yeah, yeah, we can imagine that. Like, I assume, I assume that he killed everybody in the X Mansion is what happened. Uh, apparently, you know, there was a know, deleted scene where they filmed the flashback for that, and it was shown during the Oklahoma City event. But they decided to mm. either not use it or remove it uh, because they wanted it's... it to be. They wanted this film to be about Logan and that's yeah, Fox and not about sense. the team. Yeah, you know who else's brain is a weapon of mass destruction is. Dr. Nick Bester, PhD. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. First episode yeah, since we oh, started. Banner and Doctor. balloons appear in your own apartment. <laughs> yeah. Also known as Dr. Inconsolably Harsh Electors. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just to recap, on, on this podcast, we have two doctors, two have masters, and whatever dude is. Yeah. Yes. I am a artistic bachelor. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's that's what we get. It, I, I, I I know you're not a bachelor. <laughs> I mean, I well, wait. Are bachelors just unmarried or are they single? So I am unmarried, but I'm not single. Yeah. But I, I do have a bachelor. I don't think you're a bachelor. I think you're a bachelor if you're uh, not in a not in a you're... committed relationship. Yeah. Ah! I mean, I, th- I think it depends on like probably yeah. Nowadays, yes, but like yes. I think if we were going to like the fifties, you would still be a bachelor. Time. You would see, yeah, would say time. confirmed. You're definitely, 
He is not a confirmed bachelor because yes. that's code for gay. Okay. I thought that was what you were doing. <laughs> yes. I thought you were, when you said, I, I missed uh, your comparison of his current situation in the 50s. I thought you were making a reference as to what bachelor meant in the 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's part of it. Yes. We are well, so Hillary far just off described track. described us as a, uh, a bachelor and a spinster living in sin with cats Aww. or something. I don't know. Aww. <laughs> Speaking oh, of living. so well. Yeah. Speaking of living in sin. All right, so they arrive in Oklahoma City. They watch Shane. The fact that this is a Western gets hit, like, over the head repeatedly. Um, there's Yeah, a- it does It does that thing where a movie is based on a more famous movie, and then they show that movie inside that movie to, like, yeah. make big sweeping points. And I'm like, mm, I see what you're doing, Logan. Yeah, uh, which comes back hard later in the film. Yes, um, I, w- I want to talk about that scene because it's weird. Yeah, um, yeah, that little girl has an amazing memory. Yeah. She's seen one movie in her life. It's true. And you, when I mean, you yeah, have seen one movie, I guarantee you could remember it very well. Um, so they're in Oklahoma City. Uh, things go wrong. Pierce's cronies arrive. Xavier's a seizure. They escape. Uh, we meet uh, Richard E. Grant's character, Dr. Xander Rice. Um, yeah. Good name. He's, he's yeah. looking up anagram for Xander Rice. What's yeah. the name of the company? Like Intransigen Al- or something? Alkali Transigen. And Alkali is a reference to Alkali Lake from the previous. Oh, right. Of course. And, I don't and know there's like Intransigen. There's like a. There's meant to be a vague um, implication that somehow Mr. Sinister is involved in all of this. But that, because Disney bought Fox, that went absolutely nowhere. So we can yeah. safely ignore it. Um. I think the the implication was that um, Mr. Sinister was originally intended to be involved because his modus operandi is cloning uh, mutants. And I think that the the rationale for not using him was, again, part of that desire to focus the film. And and he is literally the most flamboyant, outlandish X-Men villain. Would not, would not have blended in. <laughs> no, no. Perhaps no, arguably would the not. most flamboyant, outlandish Marvel villain. I really don't think there's anyone that's more extra than Mr. Sinister. Mm, problem. Juggernaut, maybe. Mr. Versions Mr. Sinister of has like a... But yeah, Mr. Sinister uh, calls himself Mr. Sinister and has like a weird shredded cape. There is no one more extra than yeah, and like a giant And a giant spot. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fair. Um, and if, if I remember, was it the end of Apocalypse or one of the other ones where like the mid credit or post credit team was like hinting was at the, the Essex Apocalypse. Corporation? Um, Essex, okay. Okay, so which yeah, I'm sure was the plan at some point, but it's definitely if Mister Sinister showed up during this movie, that would make would no break goddamn the sense. tone. <laughs> um, the, the most outlandish, <laughs> the most outlandish a villain gets is a guy with a slightly high tech prosthetic. That's as that's as outlandish as a villain gets in this movie. Yeah. So we are in uh, in the Midwest. They are still driving to North Dakota, which uh, Logan. Uh, okay, so this is this is where it gets a, a little weird. So Logan is reading X Men comics, which yeah, uh, it gets it goes Laura, in a weird direction. Yeah, Laura had with her, and the X Men comics point to the coordinates that they are ostensibly trying to get to in North Dakota, and it is never clear to me what the relationship between the events we are seeing and the X-Men comics and the Wolverine toy that the kid is holding at the end of the film are. Um, so here's my read on the situation, if I may. I have one as well. After so the, the, my read is that, like, much like in the Marvel... So in Marvel Comics proper, in the 616 universe, um, the, 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 there are comics of superheroes. It's a thing. 
She-Hulk yeah. used to use them in court cases. It because She-Hulk is weird like that. Yeah. Um, Spider Verse, but Spider-Man comics in the Spider Verse. Just think well. of them as the uh, the comics of Old West heroes, right? Like it's kind of Doctor Billy the Kid. Okay. That's actually a pretty good comparison. That's it's good. it's so that so and I'll and I'll buy that like they buy they also made toys. My read on this situation, because what we're about to explain is that like Wolverine realizes that the the whole Eden like coordinates thing is bullshit. She got it from a comic book. Is not that like the nurse was so delusional that she thought, oh my god, this 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 comic book holds the truth. I think that she her plan was get them into Canada. These coordinates are as good as any because they are very, they are close to Canada. Therefore, that's good enough for me. Yeah, like I, yeah. that's my read on I mean, that. that I, yeah, I, no, I think I, I think the movies fit well. Maybe they don't say it specifically, and I just assumed it. But my assumption is that the this is like the underground railroad, and the thing that they're using to guide mutants there is that they put it at the coordinates of the thing in this story, yeah, yeah. so that they can yeah, but, hand yeah, that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're clearly yeah, they're. Clearly, I mean, yeah, they're Six of one, half a dozen of the other. It, it's th- this. Sort of. This is this oh, yeah. is what they are using as their waypoint, right. which which yeah. is yeah. fine. That does not bother me at all. Um, what yeah. I won't say bothers me, but which feels unresolved, is the um, like we are clearly implying a uh, set of cultural mythos for the X Men yeah. that exists in this universe, which is fine. It is never clear to me how that intersects with the films that we have already seen, and if. It is never clear to me if this actually takes place in the same world that we've watched in the other. Yeah, well, no, I, I agree only... with you. Like, there's there's no there's no indication in any of the other movies that like the X Men have entered the cultural imaginary in the there's, way that they seem to have in this in this future version. There's of. only the it's, only it's, movie they indicate exists is um, the first one, the Statue of Liberty. Oh yeah, they do yeah, mention that. that is true, but. but but but, e- but even that, I think it's just a reference to the Statue of Liberty. That's like an oblique reference to the movie. Like that's well, even I mean, you I guys would... saw that they actually do meet under the Statue of Liberty, right? That that's the name of the motel where he, uh, where they're waiting oh, for him. I miss okay. I miss that. But that's uh, one of my favorite movie. things about it is that the movie does not make it doesn't hit you over the head with the fact yeah. that Professor X was talking total sense and Wolverine never realized. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, and he thinks he's referring to that event a long yeah. time ago. Again, this was this was my first time watching it, yeah. so I wouldn't oh, okay. up on that. But yeah, yeah. At the motel, yeah. it's the Liberty Motel, and its its sign is the Statue of Liberty, and the girl mm. is literally standing under it. Oh right, no, that makes sense. Uh but yeah, like to go back to that, I I I think I agree with Juju's interpretation because there's clearly there are clearly people in Canada that they're communicating with, and there's something. It's never particularly well explained, but something about like a satellite at blackout for like five hours, and that's how they're going to get over the border. Uh, so yeah, yeah. that that makes like, sense to me that like the underground railroad would like decide like right. we and, have and a comic book wanna... we can give people. It's going to be innocuous, and, but here are to be, coordinates. To be clear, yeah. the only reason I'm bringing that up is because like there's that line earlier where they where uh, the nurse um, I'm breaking on her name literally Got says like they think we're yeah, they, they they think we're poor and stupid, but we're not stupid. Yep. And I just sort of like want to make sure that like. I, I like that line. I actually mm-hmm. like that idea. Like, it is very like it, it was very true that they were just like, oh, they don't speak good English, therefore they don't know anything. And it's like, yeah. well, they speak two languages, and she's a nurse. It is nurses are not known to be stupid people as a general rule. Yeah, uh, it is not an easy job to get. I also think that it uh, just to jump back to what we were saying that it, it seems very reasonable to me that once all of the X Men are dead, then they would mm-hmm. enter the cultural ethos in a in a almost I mean, in a completely different way, but it's easy to believe they'd be celebratory because I don't think they've been dead that long. I think didn't the Westchester 
Westchester incident happened a year before this? I don't think yeah. they've been dead a long time. Okay, my mistake. I was thinking that it had happened like 10 years ago. You were trusting the film's statement that no good X-Men film has been made since 2004. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it had said 10 years earlier. Maybe I missed... Yeah, I don't know. I think the, year, the thing that thing. happened a year before was the Westchester. Yeah, it might be a different. Oh, oh that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. That, that, that is possible. He definitely had an attack a year ago. And yeah, it's possible oh, okay. that yeah, that was a different attack. I'm not sure. Okay, you, you are correct. So, but but I I don't know if it's a posthumous the comics happened or what. Again, I think I agree with. I don't think I don't think we can square this and go ah, oh, this is clearly unambiguously in the universe. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't think it needs to. Be, it, I don't think yeah, it needs it's probably to. meant to be uh, ambiguous. Yeah. Because, which I mean, like at, at this at this point, I mean, we they should, we should Taliban. Not, apparently, it can't be the same continuity. Yeah, at this point, we should not <laughs> pretend like uh, like there is any kind of cohesion or continuity within the X Men universe of film. Although I really oh, feel man. like this movie fits with if if you assume that the the continuity is uh-huh. Days of Future Past, then Apocalypse. Uh-huh. No, then this one, I feel like they all fit. You, I mean, you could you could yeah. tell this as that story. There's nothing against that happening. Yeah, although it's, yeah, it's just know. made as an independent. Yeah, yeah, it it's not trying to be in the same universe as the others. I think yeah, it just I don't falls that. Although, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of things that like outright contradict. Like, oh, there's no way this could possibly fit with those uh, with the other movies. But it's, I don't. It but, just doesn't care that much yeah. about being yeah. in continuity. Is is more what I would say. It just like. It, yeah, it, it could, I think it's the right wanted, way to do it. But th- this yeah, is like, the it point. could if it wanted to reference these these moments where Wolverine gets his claws. But they just don't give a fuck. But this is the yeah, point like, where that I think that becomes important tonally, given where we are in the film, because this is the point where our our traveling trio meets uh, a farmer and his family, um, played by ER's Eric LaSalle, letting his soul glow once more. Um, and this is where I think the film becomes incredibly bleak. Oh um, God, so yep. bleak! The, the, and like this yep. is this is where, and again, like this is not. If you're making the choice in continuity to say no, 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 this is the logical endpoint of the X Men films. Like that's a dark capper to put on your franchise because from this yeah. point on, this is not a happy movie, and it's not like no. it was cheery. Well, it's ha- it's very happy. Right up until uh, they, you know, they come back to the house. Yeah, like it's very they, satisfying. Right to up see until they send him the clones. There is actually a really great sort of second weird secondary antagonist subplot in this one, though. Where the, so they, they 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 the farmers get their water cut off. Basically, there's like a brief action bit where uh, horses get away, and there's auto trucks that almost kill these farmers. And it's later implied those auto trucks were literally programmed to kill them by a giant agri company. Mm-hmm. Like there's this Monsanto is murder. coming for Eric LaSalle. Is that implied? Basically, I missed yeah. that implication. Well, no, I mean, it's implied that that, that yeah. this is a, a transigen operation, right? Because mm. they're it's it like they, they talk about yeah. you know yeah he growing, works for trans like growing things. sugar cane mm. sugar cane it's for sugar sugar not, drinks. Oh, oh, yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. clear to me that it was the same company, but it makes sense. I don't but think like, it's yeah, explicitly just, said, but... Maybe it's the, the only company in this dark future. It's the Disney of this Omnicorp. dark future. <laughs> we own OCR. everything. Omnicorp. So, um, yeah, this is, where the, you. this is where the film gets very, very bleak. So the, the traveling trio stays but with... Laura uh, meets Lasso. a boy. Laura she meets a boy. Music. Gets Wolverine, an iPod. Logan gets to see a happy 
family at work. That, that iPod. Patrick Stewart. Has that, a, yeah. It's like Stewart. a 30-year-old. That iPod <laughs> is from the days when mutants roamed the earth. Well, you don't know that it's just yeah. an iPod. It, that thing could also be a missile launcher in the future. That's no, just I, his yeah. personal missile launcher that also it could be an all, it, it could be a fourth-generation iPhone. We don't know. That's true. <laughs> that is true. No, those, I like yeah, those I, iPhone 4s that were real bricks, man. Those things my, last. My head canon is that I, iPods are now vinyl in. in <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a warmer sound. You got to have those earbuds in to yeah. really get. <laughs> you got to have, you gotta have the actual cable earbuds. Those things are expensive. Back when it actually was a like a spin wheel, like it was yeah, before yeah, that. Like, yeah. I actually have my like. I probably have my second uh, generation iPod. Phone, phone in a, you should pull one out. A, spinning a, hard, one spinning had, uh, hard drives last belts forever. Yeah. <laughs> so the the iPod, where uh, when you turned the click wheel, there was a little belt behind it that yes. would uh, turn the, the list of songs. Oh yeah, incredible. Uh, there's a tiny there was a tiny little pterodactyl in there going. You saw that thing. But I don't think that we can get to the bleak part without at least acknowledging that there is very, very touching yeah. scenes here. And that Wolverine yeah. gets to go out and help a person and feel a sense of purpose briefly as Have it is. And then Patrick, or, uh, Professor X wakes up and uh, has that nice little monologue. It turns out to be X-24 before he's murdered. But still, uh, yeah. he says it's the best night's sleep he's ever had. Or, you know, had in years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a moment that where Wolverine remembers that he, he was a superhero once. Because like Wolverine... Mm-hmm. Wolverine's character arc is very much defined as him going, I'm not a hero, I'm not a hero, I'm not a hero, and then, like, Ugh, running man. and jumping into ha- danger. And, like, yeah, it's the moment man. where it's like, give it the fuck up, Logan. Yes, you are. Well, I yeah. think it's, it's, I mean, it's more... Killer. Your father was a killer. You'll always be a killer. By the way, I, I like the fact that on his, his text messages, everyone gets his text messages from James. Yeah. that's his, Like, that's he's just... It. There's... Mm. It's so hard to try to trace a concrete character arc for this character through the series, given yes, basically impossible. Yeah, but I think I but I think there's a very like classical uh, character arc for him within this movie. Yeah, like I mean, it's very much like the call to adventure, resisting the call to the adventure, and like being forced into it, and like. This is pretty Except much in this sort of instance. The... the call to adventure is a hat bought in a casino. Yes, yes. And in <laughs> yes, this, no, in that's, the style, that's, that is a absolutely a very important part of the mono myth twelve part structure: the buying the hat in the casino. That's yeah. step five. <laughs> Campbell's hat, they call it. I mean, um, you guys read my pilot. We Wait, did have Chekhov's the part where the hat happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is Chekhov's adamantium bullet in this uh, one, which I also want to talk about how the mechanics of that don't make sense. It, particularly but. since we've seen this exact gambit deployed in X Men Origins Wolverine, um, and, and it resulted in long term memory. Did you say? Did you say gambit? Wow, that's that's in, you're, you're holding it in front of your microphone. Yeah, we can't yeah, see. Yeah. I assume it had gambit on it, but <laughs> oh wow, also, tilted. You got it's. We got glare. Yeah, yeah, now we got glare of Eric Lasalle. Yeah, that yeah, is Gambit. Um, purple and blue. Yeah. So, Were those pictures of Eric Lasalle you have up? What? <laughs> oh, I was trying to figure out what your Google image searches that you have up uh, uh, right now are. I was asking if it was Eric Lasalle. Oh, he can see the reflection oh. off the glass. Uh, cover of the oh, oh, no, that's a cooking website. Wow. But so it, it's not is it Eric LaSalle's cooking website? No, it's a meth not cooking website. This is the point where this is the point where um you know we've talked No one is listening we've anymore. talked before <laughs> Oh no no that that I think that was oh, dear our anagram pitch. Um, oh dear listener. There was a point um, oh, I thought I was tuning in to listen to Logan, but it's just some kind of like 
anagram commentary. Um, so this is the point. You, you know how uh, there's a common criticism of Marvel films where the end villain ends up being just a shadowy reflection of the hero? <laughs> let's, yes. let's take this to its logical extreme here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's accurate. Um, and this is maybe the most, like, I actually don't feel good about this. Um, this, if there is one thing in the film that I look at and think, um, does not carry the weight it should. Um, I don't like the young Logan clone being the ultimate enemy in this film. Uh, if only because it is such a, like, ripped from the comics contrivance. And I didn't feel like there was a need for there to be an ultimate final boss in this film. That Excuse was not me, something that I felt the ultimate was enemy is Wolverine's unwillingness to love. Oh. <laughs> but then she calls I, him daddy and he dies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, so here's yeah. a funny thing about the Wolverine clone. Um, first of all, he looks a lot like Sabretooth, and I cannot figure put my finger yes. on why. Like, I think haircut, that's like, it's the haircut. Yeah, the haircut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he like and I and I kind of I kind of like the idea that he looks like his brother. Like there's something kind of cool about that. It did however make me wish that um Sabretooth was actually involved in this movie somehow cuz I actually think if they had brought back like a clone of Sabretooth yeah. that would actually almost be more I, disturbing in some that way. That would be interesting. I I imagine that for 90% of the audience they would go who the fuck is this? Yeah. Why right. is Lee Schreiber also, in this all of a sudden? <laughs> Right, and and Lee Schreiber isn't exactly cheap, so like it, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're like. Eh. But also, you know, I mean, we talk we talk a lot about sort of the you know the progression of special effects and like going back to Last Stand and like the de aging special effects we saw at the beginning of that movie mm-hmm. versus this. This is pretty much like an entirely seamless synesthesian. Oh yeah, it's great. Oh, it oh, is. Yeah, we we're, the effect is fucking we're incredible. To, we're gonna start seeing a lot more de aging going forward, and. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, we got Gemini Man is, coming out soon. <laughs> like, this, is the, this is this is kind of the point where the de aging technology starts to look really good. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I can't think of. I wasn't like super like closely scrutinizing it, trying to find like the seams in it. But like, I did not see any moments where I was like, "Oh no, this is really uh, artificial." Like, it's it's a very yeah. That motherfucker looks like Hugh Jackman twenty years ago. So the bottom line is evil. You're talking Wolverine. about the real girl, right? Yeah, yeah I'm she pretty looks- sure there's one scene you can tell it's just Hugh Jackman in a wig. <laughs> I mean, that's quite possible. So this is the scene where uh, evil Wolverine shows up at this family's farm, kills Xavier, and kills everyone else on the farm. Um, yes, including the like tertiary antagonists of like the the water baron uh, trying to trying yeah, to like- antagonize Eric Lasall. Yeah, so shit, shit goes bad here. Um, uh, there's, yes. there's a big old fight. Wolverine uh, manages. Caliban like goes out and bl- in a very Wolverine literal blaze of glory. Wolverine is an anagram of evil owner. Oh, yeah, yes. Wolverine. Caliban goes out like a badass. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a great it's a great exit uh, for him. It it works mm-hmm. really well. Yep, that's a wrap uh, for Stephen Merchant. Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing I could think when that happened was charbroil nachos homelessly. <laughs> Was what? I, you, you cut out there for like. Oh, sorry. Uh, charbroil, charbroil nacho, t- nachos tonelessly. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, at this point, our uh, our trio becomes a, a duo. So uh, Laura and Logan are still driving. Uh, Logan. Logan is healing very badly. Yeah, like things it, are like not the, going one thing that, that we haven't mentioned is that his healing is not working. 
He has reading glasses. By the way, I love Wolverine in reading glasses. Oh, it's yeah. Like the on it. With the tag still on. Yeah, yeah, the tag still on is great. Is the implication that the that he's being poisoned by his own skeleton? I think so. Yeah, that's my understanding. Is that I, like, yeah, his his healing oh, factor I like just, can no longer keep up with the like poisoning effect of adamantium? Is I how just I think he was it. getting old. Wow, you guys had a very well, different the, interpretation. Uh, the, I mean, the, the, the adamantium as a heavy metal picks up radiation or hangs carries radiation, and because he was exposed to the nuclear bomb. It's actually irradiating his oh, right. skeleton. Wow. He was like at uh, Nagasaki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, I, mean, like, I mean, that's what I read. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the country doctor that they go to says something about, like, there's something inside of you poisoning him. Yeah. And yes. I think also, given that they, like, very explicitly, like, the adamantium bullet will kill me, slash 24 at the end, and what is not a surprising twist at all. What if it was just uh, that the last time did, Wolverine got shot, he didn't, like, pull out some moss or something from inside the wound <laughs> so it healed over it like when they leave a sponge in someone and yeah, they get yeah. sepsis oh uh, like, there's a bunch of bird's nests in me <laughs> i think the general point though is that like for whatever reason his healing factor is not absolute and it can only do so much mm-hmm. and like it, it, it's 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 not you know and eventually it just becomes too much damage for it to repair it's just getting up yeah. Right, so like he's, he's lost the will to live. That... He, he needs the dr- he needs the green juice. He needs that ecto cooler. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> the ecto cooler is. Yeah, so we're at a point now where they get to North Dakota. And they meet up with these other mutants very quickly out of my basement. They are. I think I, one like minor quibble I have with this movie is I don't feel like it does a good job of actually like making the distance that they travel feel like yeah, that, that, like real. Like that, she apparently just goes from like I don't know where they are to North Dakota in like half of a day when she like takes over driving. It's weird. Yeah, give me some shots of like some grand sweeping vistas and like really make yeah. me feel the the distance. But never never us mind. They get up there. He meets all the kids. He's very tired and weak. He sleeps for two days. They pump some ecto cooler into his veins. They cut his beard while he's sleeping. Um, give him, give him the, uh, give him the uh, mutton chops. Yeah, so he goes out looking like the real Wolverine. Um, and and then we we get our big action climax. So Richard E. Grant and uh, and Discount Charlie Hunnam show up with uh, Clone Gun, and they, uh, they that ha- dude shows up with Ecto Cooler. Does a literal <laughs> can of Ecto Cooler. Um, nice. Don't don't take dude. Not all at once. Um, <laughs> They they have their their forest. Hillary fight. has just reminded me that we got this ecto cooler the weekend of Stefan's wedding. <laughs> what's, oh. what's the expiration date on that? <laughs> like three year old. Expired. I was actually uh, going through my files and I found my found my th- wedding invitation from February there. 6, twenty seventeen. <laughs> Dooge. Dooge. Yeah. Do not drink. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, all right. You're not my real dad. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not liable at this point. I am not live. It's still green. It hasn't turned. That doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> it hasn't turned a different shade of How green. How does it, it smell? Green. It tastes a little metallic. Dude, you really should not drink that. I mean, to be fair. I mean, it's not any those... worse than it was when it was fresh. It's 90% corn syrup. Yeah. My, so my concern is more. Powers from coming out. My concern is more that the uh, the uh, aluminum from the can has seeped into the, the ecto cooler. Hmm. So what you're saying is. 
I should open all of my ecto cooler and, and pour it into glass bottles. Decant it. Yes, yeah, decant. Yeah, exactly. You need to decant your ecto cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's uh, there's a fight in the woods. Uh, the mutant kids use their little powers, uh, like little X Men. Their little powers. Yeah, them kids they use their little powers. <laughs> yeah, their cute little powers. We get a big yeah, they, kill some, they kill some dudes. Honestly, freeze a man's arm really... and shatter him. Splinter I'm sorry, no, no, the Splinter, Splinter Girl's awesome. power was amazing. Yeah. That dude he got shredded. That guy with splinters. It was amazing. Yeah, I was like, are you just sending needles at him? And then I'm like, holy shit. She yeah. shredded him. Yeah, that's yeah. where they earned their arm. Um, Splinter, Shredder, Teenage Ninja Turtles. There, yes. get that out of my system. Um, mm, nice. Nice. Uh,. Wolverine's clone impales him. Uh, Lara shoots the clone in the head with the adamantium bullet, which, if previous films tell us anything, should just have the effect of giving him amnesia, but uh, apparently yeah. kills but, this one. But also, but like, wait, his he head had, explodes, I mean, so, like, the bullet is not still in his head. Like, it seems to me that, like, you need, like, a low-caliber bullet that gets lodged in his head, and, that like, those mechanics make sense to me, but just blowing up his head, like, I shouldn't do anything. Maybe he's aware of it. What do you mean that shouldn't do anything? He can, he, can re- up. he can regenerate. He's he can regenerate hi- from a blown up head? He's a Highlander. I mean, you, you can regenerate parts, right? You don't think his head got crushed when he got I, be, crushed be, under be, the eight-ton vehicle a moment No, because that vehicle wasn't adamantium. To be clear, to be clear on this one, the the exact like logistics of what Wolverine, Deadpool, and other uh, characters with healing factors have can regenerate from is usually defined as whatever the writer feels like it. So yeah, their weaknesses are whatever they feel like it. They can regenerate from whatever they feel like it. It's it is it's not even close to consistent. Like it's yeah. easily the least consistent thing in the Marvel universe. Now, so wait, Wolverine I've... isn't regenerating as well anymore because he has started to die inside and. X-24 can't regenerate his brain because he's got no brain or soul. Sure. I'll buy it. It's, it's about as much uh, attention as the movie gives to it. But we, yeah. are, we are treated to uh, Logan, Logan passing away, uh, impaled on his, on his spike. Uh, the kids bury him. Laura repeats the exact near monologue. Water. Near water. It's near water. Okay. Uh, Laura repeats the exact monologue she had heard in Shane, perhaps twisting the meaning of it. Um, oh yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense in context. And also, there's a moment when she finishes the monologue and then looks at the other kids, and they all just sort of look amongst themselves, clearly having no fucking clue what's going on right now. Well, they've only met this up. girl like yesterday. <laughs> no, they grew up with her. Oh yeah, you're right. That's right. My mistake. <laughs> well, she they was just... gone for like two weeks, and now she comes yeah. back, and she's seen a movie. They haven't seen a movie. Yeah, well, look, look, look <laughs> at quoting. Uh, They're just like, "What is this monologue that or this person we know is suddenly created?" It's like, there are no more guns yeah. in the valley. What are you talking about? Laura's really deep. Um, yes, they they bury and Logan, she, and then she pulls out the uh, cross on his thing and t- tips it over, and it's an X. Yep, I did kind of love that. And that's the end of the movie. Then. It's a little on the nose, and but like I'll allow it's it. A, it's a reference to Unforgiven. I thought it was a reference to the X Men. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. But didn't, does didn't, doesn't happen that happen in Unforgiven? Yeah. Who's uh, whose grave did it, does he do it? Yeah, doesn't Clint Eastwood? Does he do it to Morgan? Yeah, Green one of his Street? family's graves, yeah. right? Something. Yeah, I, I, I had, remember this. I had not. A, I had not interpreted it as being anything more than just like he was an X Men to the end, sort of. I a think thing. it's both of yeah. them. 
I think yeah, on impossible. the film level, he's... Well, the, I, 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 this this movie does engage with some ambiguity. Like, my fa- one of my favorite bits at the end, right before he dies, he says, so that's what this feels like? And mm-hmm. it's not clear what he's referring to. Is he referring mm-hmm. to having a family, or is he referring to dying? Because yeah, it honestly could be either way. Like, it's it's yeah. both. And I kind of like that. That's one of my favorite bits, is that, like, at the mm-hmm. very end, He's he's happy to experience something he's ever had before, he's ever experienced before, but we don't really know what it is, and we never really will. Yep. And or uh, or it's both, and you know, uh, weaving together the themes of like sacrifice and family. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now that he has a family, or he can actually the, sacrifice himself. The, uh, the 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 real meaning of the film, I think, it's clear, is that when you feel love, it will kill you. yep yeah no it's true i mean charles has like the best night's sleep in years and then is immediately stabbed through the heart peace (laughs) makes us soft only war makes us hard Um, eric vassal loves his wife so he runs into the building and then he's dead that is Mm -hmm. how you make your soul glow um are you guys referring to something I don't know I'm when refer- you guys talk about glowing I'm souls? I'm referring to the, the no, 1987 classic glow. film coming, from, uh, coming to America. Coming it's from the name America. Of the product in Coming to America. Yeah, Eric LaSalle's uh, family. LaSalle. Yeah, so they have like, it's a spray on Jerry Curl product called Soul Glow, and it has mm-hmm. an amazing in film commercial with an amazing like Lionel Richie type uh, theme mm-hmm. song. About yeah. making your soul glow. Let you should watch Coming to America. I bet I bet there are parts of Coming to America that have not aged well. No given shit. That it's an Eddie Murphy movie from the eighties. But <laughs> like, what I like, like like the premise was directed by what's his nuts. Um I don't know. Uh, Max Landis' father. John Landis. Oh, the, John great, Landis. the great John, John Landis. Landis. Yeah. Yeah. We the all man know who kills about. children with a helicopter. Yeah. I met John Landis once. Yeah? I mean it's huh. not that he How'd that go? Did he beat you to death them? with uh, his negligence I was, killed them? I was not decapitated by a helicopter, if that's what you're asking. I mean right. Right. Yeah. You, you all know my feelings on Max Landis. Yeah, do they, do they extend to John Landis, director of uh, of classic films like the Blues Brothers? Well, I mean, I'm not a really big fan of his because of the whole helicopter thing, because yeah, his negligence did kill some kids. Fair. And he He's had fair. a party the uh, he had a party the year after he was found innocent. A, it was a I was found innocent of killing kids party, which I think was in pretty bad taste. Yeah, that's in bad taste. I think he's also on the record as being pretty cavalier about how how uh, important it was that they died. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, he was much more concerned about how it affected his career than about the fact that he killed those people. Let's just say that, in my opinion, the apple battled and fall far from the tree. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Hell of the filmography, been, though. This has been obliquely talking about Max Landis, volume 14. <laughs> I wouldn't say obliquely. <laughs> Patrick really does not like Max Landis, volume 14. I mean, to be fair, I think at this point, everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I don't, I don't think right, Max like, Landis Right, like, I have no fear of stating. I mean, no. I... Two comments. One, Coming to America came out in 1988, not 1987, so that was my mistake. Two, uh, John Landis made Trading Places. Uh, I was one of my favorite movies ever. that... Also, probably has a Jerry's Holistic Detective Agency. The series is amazing. And Fair. should you ever get around to watching it, please do not let the fact that Max Landis created it ruin it for you. Fair. All right. Because he is awful, but that show is phenomenal. I think right. most of Coming from America has aged pretty well. Coming um, to America? Coming yeah, from I'm, America. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tra- most Coming of- from America. <laughs> but yeah. Most- this movie. I'm sorry, most of Trading Places has aged pretty well. Um, The scene on the train towards the end is a real tonal shift that does not work. 
but the Wall Street uh, trading floor scene at it's the been, end is one of the great scenes. It's been a long time since I've seen trading places. I don't remember that particular scene, but like, anyway. Dan Aykroyd's in blackface. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, no. But Dan, oh, no. But Dan Aykroyd also gives a really great performance throughout the entire He does I not mean, try to hawk vodka seen, yes. once. Maybe we should have seen Crystal Head vodka coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there were lots of crews that Crystal Head vodka was coming in retrospect. So, yes. Let's let's not talk about Crystal Ed Vodka. Let's talk about uh, is there is there anything else in this movie that we want to talk about? Uh, I think the only thing <laughs> I really need to say is sociably sh- shorthorn nacelles. Really uh, says it all. Yeah, I enjoyed that there were a lot of fight scenes or action sequences that felt like they had something cool and interesting and original in them, mm-hmm. like when he's driving away in the limo from the compound and he's got like the barbed wire being dragged behind him. Mm-hmm. But that was, yeah, that's uh, a- interesting to look at because it's. I I feel like it's gotten to the point. I don't even remember when this happened. I think I probably said it on the podcast when I was like, "This is the first time that I've gotten completely bored with the action sequences in a Marvel film because they're all so impressive that they stop being impressive, uh-huh. and it, you have to get really creative to do something interesting." Uh, and I also felt like that sequence of the film had a very strong Terminator vibe with the everyone's wearing leather endlessly pursuing them and a lot of them have metal Robot arms hands. yeah yes. that's, that's a tip uh, logan does a really good job carrying that exasperated dad energy uh, <laughs> yeah uh, you could talk the all this time sequence, when he's just like reaching for the girl repeatedly to keep her from pushing the elevator Come on, buttons. let's go this is not a toy because <laughs> he's already doing the like exasperated dad to the infantilized old man. I have my dad and my daughter with me in Vegas for one night. Uh, oh, and I love the scene when uh, she punches him directly in the face. Yes. He's just Don't like, punch stop me. punching me. Or stop hitting me. Yeah. I, I, in many ways, I think of this as kind of a capstone to the X-Men movies because we've only got two more to go after this. And the, you count, the, counting the, Deadpool the, There's Deadpool 2. Yeah. Deadpool 2 is one of those, and, and but Deadpool 2 is not really... Yeah, Deadpool 2, not. more than Deadpool 1, is not in conversation with the X-Men. Like It's got a little gag in it, but it's not really in conversation in the same way. Um, and then we have Dark Phoenix, which I have not seen yet, but... No, don't, don't feel good about it. <laughs> I'm looking forward uh, to it. I bet it's going to be bad. Um, and, and, and so in a way, this is this is very much a capstone to the movies. And one thing that I think we have said a lot about the X-Men, something we've been said since we started this project. God knows how many years ago. It, I think I literally just moved out to Los Angeles when we started this project. We started this project um, in late 2013. Yeah. I had just moved out to LA. Like, just. Yeah. Um, September 2013. I think I had just yeah. moved here. I, think. I had just moved to New York City. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You were um, I but, just moved into my old Anyway, Derek, like, where have you just moved? Derek was living uh, in his bitch apartment in Madison for three years. Yep. <laughs> were, you, were you were you in the house at that point, or were you still in in your uh, in your shitbox yeah. apartment? I was in the house. There you go. The that apartment was, was awesome. The, ha- the house was better. <laughs> the house was good. I don't know if I ever saw the anyway uh, apartment. I never saw the house. I can't imagine you and Nick yeah. Smith and a cat living in that apartment for a few weeks. It happened. And the dude, the dude lived there for a few days at the same That's time. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I slept Patrick. on the floor. <laughs> um, one thing we've been saying about these movies is that what 
they meant a lot to us back then. I think they mean a lot now, but like in hindsight, these are movies that are very much they're they're okay stories, okay directed, but they're very much powered by their casts. Like yeah. it turns out if you throw Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, um, even James Marsden, I actually will hold that James Marsden is a better actor, I think people give him credit for. Like if you throw these actors into almost anything, you know, you get something James Marsden. Good actor. Bad agent. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. That Sonic movie will prove everyone wrong. (laughs) James Marsden needs to like murder his agent. He's way better than this. Yeah, I I bet that's what he needs to do. I bet (laughs) I think that would be a very poor move for James Marsden. I bet I'm a writer and me and the rest of the writers don't have a great relationship with the agent right now. So murder (laughs) away, James. It could be like an odd solidarity move with the Writers Guild of America. Patrick, 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 where Patrick meets James Marston and James and Patrick needs somebody murdered and they don't know each other. So Patrick murders James Marston's agent. I really hope that sound was Patrick furiously writing down this idea. No, he was furiously writing <laughs> no. to James Marsden. The jig is up there on to us. <laughs> that was me. Crisscross. That was me furiously writing down for the sake of Patrick's career cut the part of the audio where he talks about murdering an agent over a writer's <laughs> dispute. We, 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 we were talking about James Marsden murdering his agent, which I don't think is probably an agent that Patrick would be working with. All Patrick was Patrick was encouraging it. That feels, that feels like a Jeff Bridges. Alive, and, uh, we yeah. don't need to worry about anything. Yeah. So now the plot needs to become we need to prevent him from being murdered because oh, otherwise yeah. we will look like we're guilty. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So, like, one of our crazed fans takes us seriously and takes it upon himself to kill James Marsden's agent. Like, in the Fisher King. Stop it. Yeah. No, that would never work because uh, no, we only because have no one, one fan, is listening to this podcast. So it could only be the one person. I feel, I feel good about our fan. Huh? <laughs> Hi, fan. I love you, fan. Anyway. Well, anyway, the, the, the Hi, John. Said, like, it, his name is Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually know? Justin yes. I was trying to leave it ambiguous so that everyone who's listening could believe that they're the I, one fan. I was, all kind I was of just Justin's taking a stab that definitely our one fan is male, and I'm just like, John's a pretty good chance at what, at the, what the name would be. And I would say Justin's not that far off. Like, in terms of distance from name, John to Justin. Don't. Same beginning and ending letter. Anyway. Hi, pa- Justin. Patrick, you were making a point. Yes. Um... You were talking about actors in X-Men movies carrying material that they are better. Yes, I and, I and this is one of the, maybe the very first time we've seen those actors be given material that they're really worthy of. Like, X2 is pretty solid, but it's also a little, like, it, but like, this is the first time they've, like, it, it, like, I, I know that we keep joking about Patrick Stewart and how Patrick Stewart doesn't have any awards, but like, you watch this movie and you're just really reminded that holy shit, Patrick Stewart is good, mm-hmm. and holy sh- shit, like Hugh Jackman is good. Like these are amazing, amazing artists. And yeah. I, I don't know, like there's something. I guess the reason I think of this as the capstone is that like this is sort of the moment where it's like this is what it's sort of like them saying, you know what, it doesn't matter anymore. So let's go out how we wanted to. I mean, I think on a similar note, the fact that Daphne Keene, like, stands out in this movie when she's, like, playing opposite those two roles, I think, is also very impressive. Like, 
it would yeah. be very it would be very easy for Laura to get lost uh, yeah. in this movie and just to be sort of the annoying ki- mute kid uh, along for the Dr. ride. She but, has a, Dr. Xavier, Dr. Xavier. She has a yeah. lot. She has a lot. No of time scre- for love, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> she has I a mean, lot of seen. screen time. Um, wow. She has a lot of screen time where it is just her with two A plus actors. Um, and she does not feel out of place, which is in and of no. itself an incredible. But I, no, I think no, you, I your, mean, your point, Patrick, is is more this, and I I feel positive and negative about this. Um, I feel like we talk about X Men films where the actors carry the material, and this is maybe the first one we've seen where the material rises to the level of the actors. Um, mm. But it it does so um, in such a way that sheds um, a lot of the context of what we have thought of as X-Men. Um, and I I don't know how I feel about that. Like, as I watched the film, like, the, the principal disconnect in my head was uh, I really enjoyed it as a film. I didn't enjoy it as a piece of a franchise. And I didn't know how much yeah. that should... And this is, I think, part of what it means to be in 2019 or at the time 2017 and watch films where everything is franchised and that connected universe piece becomes so important. I didn't know how to feel about that. Like, there, there's something very um, very refreshing about not having to worry about the connective tissue and just being able to make and watch a film. Uh, But the experience felt odd to me, not because of what it made me feel about this film, but because of what it made me feel about the other films in the series. Um, So that that disconnect was weird. I I feel like that's fairly natural because we've been watching all of these movies because they're the the Marvel films. Mm -hmm. And... This is the first X-Men film where it's clear that the writer, director, director, and one of the writers, I guess he wrote the story, and there are a couple other names credited for the screenplay, but uh, that he, w- he wasn't concerned about making a franchise film as much as he was trying to make a human story. And mm-hmm. that, I feel like, is always more important if you're trying to make a piece that's going to be timelessly relevant to the average viewer so, so the two, because I'm much more likely to go back and watch a film that is great than I am to go back and watch a film just because it's in a franchise that I have feelings about. So the two critical people in the, the making of the film on the artist, James Mangold, the director, who we, we know, you know, his his other work he did uh, was Walk the Line, Muma, or 310 uh, before he um, Copland, he he was involved, um, and then the, the other guy who I I didn't know anything about, um, was the writer Scott Frank, who you referenced, and Scott Frank, he was nominated for an Oscar for Logan, but if you look back at his filmography, the two films that jump at me from them, one is uh, he was the writer of Get Shorty, <laughs> um, yeah, and he wrote and was nominated for an Oscar for Out of Sight. Steven Soderbergh. Really? Um, yeah, which are, you know, um, radically different than, than Logan, um, although I think there's some similarities with Out of Sight. Uh, but yeah. um, 
speak to a very different pedigree uh, than the, the, let us say, than the people who made uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you, mention, uh, did you mention Michael Green? No, I didn't. Who also worked on the screenplay. He's the other name. There's three names for screenplay by. Uh, what did Michael and, Green do? Uh, he was a writer on Blade Runner 2049. Uh, the Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds film, oh, poor producer on Heroes, uh, writer on so perhaps Gods a more con- a more conventional, um, yeah, comic book I mean, background. Alien I mean, Covenant. I mean, you brought up Out of Sight. We didn't even talk about the scene where Logan and Charles are trapped in a uh, trunk, and the sexual tension is just electrifying. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's you, when Xavier says fuck. Did anybody remember the exact way the the screenplay by was credited? Was it with an and or an ampersand? It's, uh, just, just to explain to, to yeah. listeners at home, ampersand means to be, people writing together as a team and means they worked on the, the draft separately. Wikipedia yeah. credits three successive writers without any note between them. Let's see if I am. Um, the back of the, the Blu-ray case, as I recall, just had commas. And what, one of the three writers was James Mangle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Screenplay by uh, what? Scott Frank, Ampersand, Scott Frank. James Mangold, and, and Michael Green. Okay, okay. Cool. so Scott Frank and James Mangold worked together. Michael Green did a draft, so one draft. I don't know an earlier. Can you tell from order which one is like the earlier draft? I don't know that. Uh, no, the the um, the order does not. You always indicate um, like who worked on earlier drafts. It's mostly uh that one's usually decided by agents having pissing contests with each other or oh, yeah. um he wrote an episode just, of sex in the city or just an alphabet some episodes alphabet, of smallville everwood jack and bobby heroes right. yeah the uh um, while we're going down the tr- the uh train of uh collaborators on this uh i want to call out john matheson cinematographer i'm looking uh, at his filmography yes. um and a, a cup because i think this is there was this one is a shot. very pretty film as they're busting out of the compound where they do a POV shot mm. of like driving through the fence. And then you mm. see the train coming Yeah, that real, it was right after the barbed wire stuff. So I was thinking about how cool they're doing. This it, stuff. And well, and the whole, cool. the whole sequence where Xavier has his uh, seizure in the mm. uh, oh, in yeah. Oklahoma city. That's fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, the, the, the effect on that is fantastic. Yeah. Do you well, know how yeah. I mean, that? I was, I was reading about wow. it and it, it, it's a combination like practical shaky cam and post-production. So they had okay. to, they had to like that makes sense. scale down the shot slightly because they basically had shaky cam that they then stabilized, uh, you know, quote unquote, in in post, but still to create that kind of shaky effect. Interesting. Yeah, and Wolverine Did, uh, or uh, Hugh Jackman actually had a rope tied to him and had people holding him back, so he was really struggling. Oh yeah. Did it, has anybody watched the black and white version of this movie? Because I know that there I, is a. a I watched black and the white first half of hour of it uh, after watching it this morning. Um, I put it in because it was a whole Blu-ray disc, uh, hmm. and I I actually really like the uh, the effect, and it kind of made me realize that uh, the the color seemed unnecessary to the. I mean, it's a, it's a film shot in black and shots. sepia already. Yeah, yeah, like there's so little color ver- spectrum. Yeah. 
in, yeah, like I, I was I was thinking about it while I was watching it. I watched the color version of it because that was what I had access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 it wasn't something where like I felt like I was like missing out on it being black and white, but I, but I could also imagine how, uh, yeah, it, it would be you know probably not replacing it as like oh no, this is the only way to watch Logan is in black and white. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's but, not like watching yeah. Rocky Horror. Um, it, uh, it didn't like, I, when I watch a contemporary film that's in black and white. Uh, even if it's something like Cloaks, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel there's a part of me that just feels like I want to resist it. Like I've never gotten around to watching the artist because it seems like it's it's okay. I, I, I it's just it's very Hollywood like self congratulatory. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's an interesting talking about we're great. <laughs> and the world um, needs to know how great we are. It's it's yeah. an, it's an art like it's an None exercise. None of us would in, murder any of our agents. Oh, <laughs> it's an exercise in artistic self indulgence. There's some interesting pieces in it. Um, yeah. When I call, if out, I watch Logan again, I might try and watch the black and white version yeah. if I have if I have it around. But uh, I, I'm just curious. But you, you talked about like just like the composition and the the use of lighting and and going back to. John Matheson and his cinematography, and then this is going back to like pedigree on the film outside of the normal branch of uh, of comic film collaborators. So John Matheson shot Gladiator, probably his nice. his biggest claim. Um, he shot uh, Liberty Valance. Uh, yep, he shot Liberty Valance. Um, he he's done a lot of work with Ridley Scott. Um, but he also shot uh, he shot one more comic book movie, X Men First Class, which I think is oh. probably my favorite X Men movie, all things considered. Um, and uh, most recently, he shot Detective Pikachu. Ah, no, <laughs> no, not Pikachu. It is a good looking movie, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I while actually... we're calling out people, I want to call it Louis F. Aguilar, the construction foreman. <laughs> what about the best boy? I, Who's I the best boy? Actually. That... Which one? There's multiple best boys. Russell Beard was the rigging electric best boy. Best boy grip second unit was Andy Luce or Luce. Oh, Bradley okay. Martin was best boy electric. Nick Nicolay was best boy grip, and best boy rigging grip was Jif, Jim Ware. Oh, Our salute oh, to you, Jim. best boys. This makes um, me think of the credits for Airplane, or no, maybe it's not Airplane. Maybe top it's, it's one of maybe Top Secret, or maybe one of the Naked Gun films, where it's like worst boy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I, I will say, you know, we, we we talk about the pedigree on this movie, and I think there's like a world where you get this amount of pedigree on the movie, and but the movie doesn't feel like it. How can I put this? it sort of, like, loses itself. Like, this is the thing I'm a little worried about Joker about, is that, like, uh, it loses itself in the artisticness of it, yeah. and then sort of, like, but doesn't, but, like, it's clear, but it's also being made by someone who doesn't, like, truly love the material. And, they, like, to be they clear... They forget to make I, the film that justifies the talent. Right, like, I haven't seen Joker yet. I have no idea if it's going to do that. It's just something I worry about. But, like, Wolverine, Wolverine, like, I'm sorry, Logan... Please I, do not Logan, confuse the two. Yeah, in, in Logan... Logan is made by people with high pedigree who are making kind of a highfalutin movie by people who fucking love Wolverine. Like, that makes sense? Like, it's very mm-hmm. clear that going into it, the, the writer and the directors and the cinematographer and everyone else involved, like, deeply loves this character. And, and even though they're trying to make a more sort of refined, artsy movie out of it, it's not because they're, like, they're looking their nose down at Wolverine or the X-Men at all. Like, they, yeah. they love it. And I think that love is very obvious. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel again. I don't think any of us have seen Joker yet, but like, I, I definitely get the impression that like the makers of Joker is like, oh no, we're doing something better than a comic book movie, which I don't feel like is part of like what's animating the production of Logan. I feel like Logan is like, it's doing, it's doing something more than we see in a lot of comic movies, but I don't think there's that sort of like weird genre disavowal. Like that's true. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I, I think it's important that like the the genre reference here is to the western, which mm. is like the most kind of like straightforward like for the most part morally unambiguous like genre and not one in vogue it's not a pretentious genre i guess it's another well it had moments of being pretentious sometimes it is but like you know when when you're i mean there's it's mythic to the point where like it, it goes beyond uh you know the idea that you know, oh, we're make, making a film bar. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, I think the Western is, yeah, I think the Western is, like, divorced enough from both, like, prestige and popular uh, acclaim that, like, mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, the, I think Mythic is a good way to describe it. Also, now I'm imagining what if this movie had been based on Cat Blue instead? And yeah, that would have been, been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because they, that still has, like, the two, like, you would still have, Ooh. like, X-24 and Wolverine <laughs> as, like, the two yeah. different, as the two different roles yeah. in Cat Blue with, um... Lee Marvin. Marvin. Um, I have not seen Cat Blue, but it great. made me uh, imagine it's great. what if this movie had been Ballou. based on Paint Your Wagon, yeah. because Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman is a song and dance man. I did. Cat was also a musical. I did oh, as I was okay. watching. I wanna, can, I, as I was watching this, um, the, the the western oh my God, comparison it works so well as Cat Baloo. The western comparison is the right. A cat popped up over your shoulder when you said that. Um, <laughs> the western com, the western comparison is the correct one, and it's the obvious one that that's drilled home. Can't even think of naming you Baloo. Uh, but because then you'd be naming him after a bear. Um, as we as. Uh, as I was watching it, the other thing that I, I had to think back to was the context established by the Wolverine, where he is uh, drawn explicitly in, ter- in uh, terms as a Ronin. Um, and the, mm-hmm. the samurai movie, Western movie, two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. But that, that characterization, and th- this is maybe the one thing that I feel like was a through line in the arc of the character. Um, he is characterized in a particular mytho- uh, mythological context in the Wolverine uh, as a Ronin, and characterized in a different but parallel uh, mythological context in Logan as a as a Western hero. And yeah. I think either one of them works, and neither one of them feels like it requires a, a, a radical shift in character to achieve. No, no, no. I think it makes. Mm. I mean, he's a lone wolf, and there's you know, like this kind of story. You see, I mean, yeah, this is kind of all the time, pop, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, like the right. wow. the, the aging gunslinger, um, you know, out on one last rescue. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it's through grit. That's I thought it was out. But they pulled me back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah Godfather Three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and a shot Liberty Valance. Yep. Yeah, Cat Baloo. <laughs> I believe that is the water for the good Lee Marvin in that movie. Yeah. Uh, was Lee Marvin? Back to the Future 3. Lee Marvin was Liberty Valley, right? The Royal uh, Tenenbaums, also a Western. Was he? Or was he, the, was he the. I think he was, well, I think he was the Liberty Valley. The patriarch of a family. My book presupposes everyone knows this. that Custer died at the yeah. Bighorn. My book presupposes what if he didn't? But it 
the the climax of the I can't remember the whole setup or the whole explanation, but the climax of the film is Owen Wilson attacking the house dressed as a, a Native American. Yeah. And what is it that he someone explained it to me very well. It sounded I, succinct and I, it, it has I, Western I themes in it. Yeah, know, I could I could imagine there being Western like structure. Yeah, I could imagine it I could imagine it working as roughly a Western and maybe not like a like perfectly. But like yeah, it's about it's about protecting the home in the way that yeah, it's a genre of integration. It's been a uh, long time since I've seen the Royal. It's think about it. Wait, it's think about Westerns next time you're watching it. I'm pretty sure yes. it's deliberate. I mean I, I love Oh um, I I mean the fact that he shows up in uh, in war paint and attack and like disrupts yeah. the whole situation. Like that's as soon as you yeah. said that I'm like, oh shit, yeah, war paint. Yeah, that's <laughs> here it. I go. Yes. Also yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, what? my favorite line in that movie is when he, when Owen Wilson is, is on the phone and he's like, "Do you, do you specifically think of me not as a genius?" So. <laughs> my, my favorite line in that movie is when Owen Wilson is doing drugs with his uh, intellectual friends and they are talking about Egyptian pharaohs, and uh, Owen Wilson says, "I don't think that was Ramses. I think that was Tutankhamun." And the guy next to the guy next to him says, "Tutankhamun." Like correct, <laughs> corrects his pronunciation. That's great. Uh, what else do folks have to say about Logan? We are uh, we are running uh, right oh. up to the two hour mark here. I think we might be stuff. getting in under the runtime of Logan then, which Woo! is I think I think rare for us. Yeah, uh, in under the runtime of movies. Shall we? Shall we move to final thoughts then? Uh, sure, Derek, I'm ready, dude. My final thought, oh, Derek, it, go ahead. You already uh, started. Is uh, that this is? Uh, I, I appreciate that this is a movie for adults. Mm. I don't mean that in the sense of it's R rating. It's just it. It has a uh, a a formal and narrative and thematic sophistication that is has been mostly lacking. Um, in you know, I you know, secondary. I'm, I'm going, you I'm secondary, right? Um, you know, it's it. It's the first film that we've watched in a while where I didn't get just bored watching yeah. and like mm. look at my phone. Like I, I was, you know, for the most part, riveted. Uh, and you know, I think I think um, we didn't talk too much, too too much about the action scenes, but you know, I think it, it's easy to overlook how well directed they are. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they're they're kind of they're brutally violent, and that's, that's one of the ways that they stand out, but. Um, they're they are coherent they're articulate like part of what sells that violence is uh the way they're edited is james mangold just somehow a, an incredibly underrated director oh he might be could be oh i really like um, the and, and, the scene uh, when the action sequence when uh, the first escape it's part of that same sequence i mentioned before but when wolverine just hits uh, X twenty hits Laura with the car, and you 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 understand that like he's doing this on purpose because he recognizes that she is capable of. Like, this is the best way to get her into the vehicle is to hit her with it so that she can go up over the top. And she like looks at him, and there's a sense of recognition between mm-hmm. them. Sorry, dear. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and other. Uh, I, you know, I made this point earlier, but just like the the, the narrative doesn't doesn't coddle you. I mean, it's it's completely you know, coherent and clear kind of in retrospect, but as you're watching the film, it does force you uh, Yes. Hey. There we go. Who wants to go next? 
All right. I would like to go last for a very specific reason. <laughs> Patrick so. wants to go last. Okay, I'll go. I'll go next. Um, right. I, I'll I'll echo uh, some of the things that that Derek said. I I appreciate that this was a film that. Um, one thing that that is strange about the way we talk about comic book films and comic book adaptations uh, specifically is you talk about an adaptation of a comic book as though it were not an adaptation of a story. Talk about it as an adaptation of a medium. If you uh, think about a novel being adapted or a TV show being adapted or a play being adapted, you don't think about those in terms of the original medium that they came of, of a story told in one form that is being moved into. Um, this was a specific adaptation of uh, a comic book called Old Man Logan, which Mark Miller and Steve McNiven had written. Um, I was actually going to talk about that. Yeah, with, with Mark ma- Miller likes goats. He does. With material changes uh, throughout. And it, it's, not a, it's not a straight narrative adaptation, but thematically, it's, it's very much adaptation. Yeah. Um, and it... I appreciate the fact that this is a film that adapted a story and adapted a set of themes um, and was able to do that in such a way that read, as Derek said, as an adult level adaptation. There was not a there was not an attempt to treat a comic as a unique medium. There was an attempt to treat it as a storytelling vessel um, and to to move that narrative and that thematic strength in there. Which is, it's weirdly results in a film that has extremely little in the way of fan service, um, in the way of trying to call back to, to particular moments. It, it embraces the story and the themes that the comic itself was trying to tell. And I actually think that, that that's important in the idea of um, contextualizing superhero adaptations, comic book adaptations, um, you know, less as a specific genre and more as a move from medium to medium. Uh, I enjoyed this film a lot. I don't think it's perfect. Um, I I think that there are pieces where it's very heavy-handed. I think it's got a little fat on it, like it could have stood to be about 10 minutes shorter. Um, And I, I really didn't like the uh, the Wolverine's evil clone subplot. Um, but on the whole, I appreciate this film for um, its ambition, its sophistication, and its execution, and for being different um, in, in a way that did not feel contrived. Like, I feel like mm. when we watched, uh, you know, uh, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, that was a movie that's like, we're going to be different. Um, but did that felt like the object? I feel like the objective here was to make a good movie, um, and I appreciate. It. So thumbs up. Yeah, I, I'll actually. I, I said I was going to go last, but since you brought up the Old Man Logan comic book, I would like to talk about the Old Man Logan comic book. Crazy um, comic book, just because it's well, right? It's completely insane, and and the reason I'm going to talk about it as opposed to actually summing things up is I think I accidentally gave my my final thoughts a little while ago when I was talking about. How this was the first X Men movie where the it really felt like the material met, met matched the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give you some a brief synopsis of the old Ben Logan comic book. In it, uh, supervillains including the Abomination, Magneto, 
Doctor Doom. Did you just say the Obama Nation? Yeah, the Obama Nation. Barack Obama is exposed to gamma radiation. Did you just say Abe Lincoln? (laughs) He said, "Hey, Lincoln." And the Red Skull. I've taken over California. I've taken over the country. Logan lives in Hulkland uh, under the under the guise of the Hulk. Uh, He needs money to pay his rent to his landlords, the Hulk Gang, who are the incestuous hillbilly grandchildren of the Hulk and his first cousin, She Hulk. Then later, crazy shit gets involved where bl- where a now blind Hawkeye uh, helps him travel east of the capital of New Babylon and secure a secret passage, which Logan thinks is drugs. Also, we learn that Logan killed all the X-Men because Mysterio, uh, Quentin Beck himself, created illusions that made him accidentally think that he was being uh, he was killing Bullseye. Um, then some crazy shit happens with Iron Man's armor. Then he gets eaten by the Hulk and kills him. It's fucking bonkers. And, like, I just think that's what's fascinating to kind of move on to your point is that they literally took the idea of old Wolverine and that's about it. Yeah. Like, they got old Wolverine and wrote old Wolverine, X-Men are dead, and then they just sort of stopped there. And I think that's kind of what most fascinates me about this in terms of an adaptation because it's, like, it's an adaptation in the most loose sense of, of this. Like, I think there's a reason... You know, you don't see any Mark Mill. You don't see Mark Millar getting any credit here because, like, literally, all they did was Wolverine, but older. And that's kind of they. They beyond that, they they went their own path, which is good because, as established, given what I just said, the original comic is completely insane. Mark Millar, um, the Rob and- Layfeld of the two thousands. Yeah, I, I I knew that there was an old Logan, and I knew that this movie was like very loosely based on it. I did not know what the plot of old Logan was. Also, I'm just do we do we know for sure that in this future Texas has not been renamed Hulkland? Do they ever say Texas? We just know he's in El Paso. That could be El Paso Hulkland. Yeah, I mean, we have no proof that it's not run by a incestuous Hulk. Um, (laughs) It would not it would not stun me if there is at some point a Disney Plus MCU TV series called Hulkland. Yeah, I hope it just. Hopefully, it does that involve Mark Ruffalo having sex with whoever they cast as yeah. She-Hulk? But I mean, they did. There. Yeah, they've just they they've they've set it up with She-Hulk now. You know, we're only a hop, Hello. skip, and a jump away. Uh, I can All right, I'm next. done now. Do, I do you want to go? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like I went over final thoughts. Okay. Uh, I I enjoy this film. I think that it's clearly a step up, and I hope that it's a sign of the the kind of quality that a writer can exhibit in the X-Men universe. I assume that since they're now, you know, going to be part of the, I assume they're going to be part of the MCU. Uh, and Disney actually is going to run with them and not just forget probably, about Probably X-Men. not just going to put them in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> just they gonna, might put them in a closet for a few for years. For a few we'll years. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I assume that they are too valuable to, uh, to entirely, bench. they did not spend I, tens of I, billions of dollars on Fox to not get, uh, not get I, uh, happy. Uh, I, I appreciate mean, that. They... I mean, in some ways, they did. In some ways, what they're doing is like buying comp- competitive IP and then not doing anything with it. Like, there's been like reports that like it's much harder to get prints of Fox mm. movies now. Probably like, going to be are... much easier to get uh, streaming access to The Simpsons, though. Yeah, you know, we'll uh, see. But I, uh, I really appreciate that. I mean, to my mind, since I haven't seen Dark Phoenix and I keep forgetting that it exists, this is for all intents and purposes the, the swan song or the final note for the X Men like, franchise. Yeah. Uh, 
So and that's a good one, certainly. They uh, they let a filmmaker have more creative vision than they have previously, I think. Or, I mean, I imagine, because this film is clearly a, a person's vision instead of uh, the studio trying to drive the franchise in a direction that it needs. And I really look forward to seeing... Since Endgame, I have not felt super excited about Marvel films. Mm. Uh, and like I haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home. And I just feel like I've gotten my fill of it for a really long time. And so I appreciate that I'm still going to watch them for this podcast. But uh, I, I feel like I don't have the, the need to watch them anymore. As I don't have to drive as a film viewer to go and catch everyone. But dude... Um, what about what if I told you that there's going to be a film coming out based on the iconic character of Morbius starring Jared Leto? Actually, Are you excited I, about I, that? I do think that Morbius is a cool character, or I did when I was a kid. Um, but I, uh, I really look forward to seeing the MCU versions of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Right. Uh, I have no idea who Morbius is. He's the living. He's vampire. a vampire the from vampire. the Spider-Man continuity. He's a science vampire, late, maybe. No, I okay. think he's mostly right. Spider-Man. Uh, a couple things, just for for our one listener, I'd just like to point out the dude just spent this entire time preening his facial hair into Which, Oliver McQueen uh, facial it's hair. It's Oliver <laughs> Queen. He's not Oliver <laughs> McQueen. Damn he's damn not it. a Scottish damn. duck. <laughs> I was I was uh, actually kind of. I think unconsciously trying to do a Doc Holiday handlebar mustache oh, or something. Okay. It's enough. a good look for you, dude. I'm yeah, not yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, you can you can pull off handlebar. You're I'm like, oh, going just... as Mephistopheles for Halloween. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone else's final thoughts have uh, you know covered what I what I wanted to say. You know, I think this is definitely one of the better movies that we've watched. Uh, certainly, I'm almost certainly the best. Uh, x-men movie we have watched um and you know i think i think beyond just sort of like like whether or not it's a movie for adults or 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 what have you i i like that it's like a one shot to use kind of a uh comics terminology i think that's something you know going back to our earlier discussion about sort of you know what dude was just talking about what we were talking about earlier sort of you know the the sort of the the necessity of franchise franchise movies to all be part of like the MCU or the expanded universe or, you know, some sort of unified canon that all sort of feeds into each other. Um, and obviously this movie is not entirely divorced from that, but I, I appreciate that it, it, it is a, a more standalone movie than I think um, probably, probably the most standalone movie we've seen from Marvel that isn't like an origin story for a, it is not Dolph character. Lundgren's the Punisher. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's I think that's really encouraging. I like was it Stefan who talked earlier about fan service? Like yeah. I am I'm a little surprised that there wasn't like just a little bit more. I, I kind of expected that like maybe like the you know Canadian mutant railroad mm-hmm. might like have some sort of Easter egg like we call it oh, it's... Alpha Flight. Yeah. Something like well, you know, mm-hmm. maybe something even more legible like, oh, it turns out that, you know, I don't know. So, so an established character. Fucking Kelsey Professor Grammer. X was Wolverine's father all along. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Kelsey Grammer as the Beast is in charge of the uh, Kelsey of Grammer like, as Fraser is in well, charge. Yeah, as, something like something along those lines. I they, uh, they had considered having Sabretooth in the film 
just mm-hmm. as they'd considered having a flashback to all the X-Men being killed, but they deliberately left out all other characters except for these three, really, uh, so that they could make it the story of Logan. Yeah, which again makes it feel really strange that Caliban somehow makes the cut. I assume I feel- that they needed a mutant tracker to fit the plot that they were I that- guess. I feel like, you know, there's a chip inside of X-23... Bam! You've got you've got it, and you don't like have to like weirdly include this mutant that like maybe some the I mean, people who saw apocalypse. Anyway, it's, it it, it, it seems, just it's it seems it, reasonable it, that if there are it, that if Wolverine and Professor X still exist out there and they're on their the run, there are presumably some isolated mutants around the oh, world. Oh yeah, yeah. That I, Caliban I that... would come to them rather than anyone else. Because All he right, can track yeah. other mutants. Yeah, and, I, I don't yeah. think I don't I, think there's any question about the internal like th- like I, world yeah. logic of it. It's just quite like as a writer, you're pulling yeah. these characters out of a hat. Well, they yeah. probably wanted someone who the audience wasn't super attached that, to, so I that think they is wouldn't spend a lot of time yeah. trying to figure yeah. out well, what's going on with this character. Also, yeah, no, that that's probably part of it as well. Uh, and yeah, like we we've talked about sort of you know the number of cuts, and there were like talks of like, we're going to include other characters. It's possible that there's like a you know the, a draft, and Caliban was in there, and for whatever reason, through like whittling things down, mm-hmm. he managed to survive the cuts that the X Men flashback and Sabretooth uh, survived. Uh, let me just check my notes. Maybe someone was just reading the Tempest at the same time they were writing. Yeah, this. or you know they were seeing the dailies <laughs> from X Men Apocalypse and it was like we've got to, we've got that a... guy, but not that actor. Not that guy. Not that guy. Nick will think it's that guy, but it's not that guy. I don't even remember him being in X-Men Apocalypse. He referred to himself in the third he's... person in a very off-putting yeah, way. He, he's like, yeah. Caliban will do this. Caliban, like, he's oh, this he's the boy. guy that runs the underground fighting yeah. ring? He, mm, right. Or at least yeah, he, he, he's, 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 he's playing a much more straight version of the character. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, right. like he's he's playing it much more just like like a, like like a guy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, let me check my notes. Uh, horny tabernacle coil slosh. Nice. <laughs> so, guys, I want to tabernacle. That's a I, good one. I want to tabernacle and horny is in my name. Yeah. So, guys, I want to talk about this for a minute. Um. So, our next film, uh, ostensibly, we're re- returning to the neon drenched world of the MCU and the world of digital de aging for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm, I, I have semi-fond memories of that film, but I, I want to pause for a minute. Um, and I want to say that I made a reference to Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. And believe it or not, I'm sitting here pining for the days of Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. I, 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 I so think, badly... I think if we go back I to the record, we will I find that, that I like I Dolph Lundgren's I, I still have not seen that one, actually, because I, I, was, I, I, was, I don't know if I was not part of the project or if I just... I don't think you were day, But point. I have not seen that one. I, yeah, that was like that was like what our like third movie or something. It was our second. Was it second? It was the first. Fir- fir- yeah, so it was Howard the Duck was one, Punisher was two, Captain America was three, Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. first episode I was. Uh, but I'm I'm yeah, I, I'm sitting here and I'm just I'm pining for those days uh, because I I like the next five films that we watch are all MCU films and they're all great. It's Guardians of the Galaxy two, which is the weakest of them. Then it's Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and then Infinity War. Um, which is fine. I'm wondering if we want a palate cleanser before we dive headlong into, into a long Do you film. have an idea? I sense that you have an idea. Still. Well, 
I was going to say one of two things. Number one, Patrick, since you did miss The Punisher, we could revisit The Punisher X number of films and X number of Punisher iterations on. Number two, I think we could put our toe in the waters of 1970s Marvel television adaptations. Yes! Ooh, yes. The Death of the Incredible Hulk? I, that's that's <laughs> I, was, I was going to say either yeah. the pilot uh, of the Incredible Hulk or the Reb Brown Captain America from 1979, both of which uh, have that 70s ooh. stank on them. I remember, the, the, yeah. the, in terms of like other things from that era, I just remember like we had growing. to, we had to, we had to like put off doing Doctor Strange, and there yep. was like some talk of like trying to uh, do a recording, and like I'm glad that we didn't because like that would have excluded Patrick and Derek from that. But also, there's a part of me that really wishes we had watched the 1970s Doctor Strange and put that episode out instead of Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still haven't released the Doctor Strange episode. That's next in the editing. Queue. So, so it's not too late. No, it's, it's not, not late. if we like if we recorded real quick, we could. So if oh, yeah. if we were going to, and I'm, we can start plugging this. In. Like if if we need breathers at this yeah. point, because we're getting ready. I, we are in the 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 tube at this we're point. Getting, if we were, we're being dangerously close to catching up to reality too. If we were yeah. to go back and start saying, all right. Let's start what layering the first, some, the first Marvel Comics television film yes. that we could do is 1977's Spider-Man, the pilot for the live-action Spider-Man TV. TV series starring Nicholas right. Hammond as Spider-Man. Yes, I, that name we I, all know. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't think of a good reason not to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we necessarily need to be beholden to the idea of like no, this this side thing it. being done chronologically. No. But it seems like it makes sense to me to start with the first TV yep. movies. I, I, yeah. I think uh, the 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 four that we could put on the table that would all make sense would be Spider Man, The Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange, and Captain America. Those are the four in order. Um, so we could start with Spider Man if we want. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, is. Was it? I think the Captain America one we watched uh, before yeah. Derek's wedding. Yes, yeah, so one of we them? watched the first one, Captain America, starring Reb Brown, where he has a van. Has right? a van, yes. And then we we watched some of the second one, which is Captain America Two: Death Too Soon, starring Christopher Lee as the villainous Miguel. I I, I remember I remember the phrase. <laughs> no, no, no. Say, the villainous Miguel, say, say it with a very very proper British accent, deep voice. See. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I remember that phrase. I remember I remember the concept Miguel, of Miguel, man. but yes. I do not remember Miguel. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I look forward to watching that again. All right. Uh, yeah, I would say let's do Spider Man. Seventy seven Spider Man. I I would bet yeah, money have that we it's lost a... dude. Dude's still there. He's, yeah, I'm still here. He's on the anagram. Okay. Can I put up your anagram? I'm gonna bet money that uh, this cap this uh, Spider Man film is on YouTube. Let me see. Uh, I would be shocked if it wasn't. If not YouTube, then Daily Motion or Daily Video or whatever. It it's is called. all on YouTube. <laughs> 1977, <laughs> an hour and a half long. Wow, it comes in under a hundred minutes. I already love it. All right, so that that'll be our next everybody. episode, the pilot episode of the Amazing Spider-Man TV series from 1977.